Busy weekends are a breeze with American Express Platinum Card. 8 a.m., wait to board plane in the Centurion Lounge. <sighs> Much better. 2 p.m., grab seats for the game. Come on, pick and roll! 6 p.m., book an exclusive reservation with Resi Global Dining Access. Right this way. Because the American Express Platinum Card offers access to the Centurion Lounge, must-see live events, and exclusive reservations at renowned restaurants. That's the powerful backing of American Express. See how to elevate your experiences at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Terms apply. BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same-game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get 150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager. Only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury. The premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Live March 20th from the Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City. Featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. You're listening to Fox Sports Radio. Aaron Torres loves college football so much that after talking about it for three hours last night with Jason Martin... He's like, I want back in. So you got another three hours of college football here on Fox Sports Radio. What is going on, Mr. Torres? I said, you know, my Deion Sanders takes weren't hot enough yesterday. So I had to come back. I I was in the lab all night refining them, you know, uh, ironing, sharpening iron. And I was just like, you know what? I'm more fired. You know, it was like Dion had a great day on the field, but then he was even better in the postgame press conference. That's basically me today. I was I was good last night. I give myself a solid A, but I'm about to be an A plus after again refining and uh, uh, you know re- refining the, the takes from last night. We are broadcasting live from the TireRack.com studios. TireRack.com will help you get there. An unmatched selection, fast, free shipping, free road hazard protection, and over 10,000 recommended installers. TireRack.com, the way tire buying should be. It's also the case, Aaron, or maybe you ever get in an argument or you're talking to someone or for us in this business, you're doing a show. And five minutes after the show ends or five minutes after you you know go to break or five minutes after you leave your buddy's house, you're like, this is what I should have said. Sure. This, is, this just dawned on me right now, five minutes too late, and that gives you the opportunity. But it is crazy because you and I got together on Friday. We were in for Cavino and Rich, and one of the things that we talked about was Dion's debut. It was the thing that everybody was talking about. And usually – debuts don't live up to the hype and we were trying to think of our favorite debuts stuff that popped up in our mind stuff that we were amped up for couldn't wait for and and i will say this no matter what answer you may have had for the question what happened yesterday in fort worth 
would have exceeded whatever we said on Friday, whatever you could have thought of. It was an amazing, amazing performance from Deion Sanders and the Colorado Buffaloes, in my mind, in so many different ways. But Aaron, just basically, it exceeded expectations that I didn't think were possible. I have a thousand percent. And I wasn't somebody that didn't think like, like I thought there was a scenario where they could win Colorado, even if I didn't pick it. And there, I, I thought there was a scenario where they could be better than people expected. The over-under win total in Vegas was three and a half. I thought, you know, looking at the schedule of things break right, could they be five and seven? Could they be uh, playing to go to a bowl game over the final two weeks of the season? Yes, absolutely. But I did not expect Shador Sanders to literally set, I, I believe it was a, a Colorado single-game passing record in his first start. I did not expect Travis Hunter, who, yes, he was the number one high school prospect in America, I thought it was one of the, the single most impressive performances I've ever seen. 120 plays in 100-plus degree heat. Uh, the interception, 111 uh, catches, 100-plus yards receiving. And, oh, by the way, as Coach Prime said at halftime, there were probably two that he could have had that could have been touchdowns. One of them, uh, he just didn't the, – the ground caused a, a, you know, a bobble. And then the other one, it just kind of got through his hands at the end. So – I was a guy that wasn't as pessimistic. I believed that this team could exceed expectations, but did I expect that on Saturday afternoon in Fort Worth? I did not, and I couldn't have enjoyed it anymore. I think that there was a lot at play, and I'm gonna I'm gonna use you know we got we got I know Monty obviously a Dodger fan, Bo Benson's our producer uh, knows baseball knows the game. I remember when Manny Ramirez came to the Dodgers. It was it was crazy because when he was traded by the Red Sox to the Dodgers, it was a deal that was announced after the trade deadline. You didn't think that a trade was done, and then it ended up being done. But it was a, it was a really big deal. No one, no one, Aaron thought that Manny Ramirez would come to the Dodgers and hit a buck twenty five, and not hit any home runs. You had you had high expectations. The reason I say this is because I thought expectations were all over the board. Yes. You know, where where to, to what you're saying is, you know, the, the, there were some questions, there were some doubters, there were some haters, and Dion's pointing out the haters. But with that as well, we had heard about Las Vegas and how much money was actually being put on Colorado specifically for this game. One of the storylines we had heard throughout the season was the win total on the Buffaloes and how, you know, the general public, Joe Schmo putting all their money on the win totals. And, and we're like, man, I don't know if Colorado's going to win four games or five games. The expectations were all over the board, not only for what they would produce, but just fandom, love or hate. And that's what I thought was so unique about this is nobody thought, you know, Manny Ramirez is going to stink. So even though they have, you know, Manny Wood and Manny does his thing for the Dodgers and it's all great, nobody was really thinking that he would fall flat on his face. This had so many different reaches. I mean, Tom Luganbill now, you know, in the crosshairs because he's the one who said Colorado, uh, maybe next to UMass, had the worst roster in all of college football. And then you have people who are like, hey, this is a nine-win team. That's what I, you know, just looking at it from the outset and then how it played out to everything you said, that's why I think it was was also so magical because – 
nobody was really on the same page because he had so many different opinions and reasons and what you thought was going to happen with Colorado this season. Well, and let me let me just say this, is that, listen, if you want to make the argument that, first of all, I think it's a great point by you, the, the idea of the, the number of different ways that people expected this to go. The one thing I will push back on, not from you, but from the general consuming public, like I saw a lot of people yesterday like, where does this rank in the all-time upsets in college football history? And and I, th- I bring this up to bring up the Tom Luganville point because it's like I saw people comparing it to App State, Michigan. And I'm like, guys, can, can we pump the brakes a little bit? Like App State was an FCS program, fewer scholarships. Colorado, we could have we could debate, you know, how their offensive line would hold up or how many guys on defense or whatever. But the baseline of Colorado is this, is that the three guys who were stars last night were Shador Sanders, who was a quarterback who was offered by Alabama and Georgia coming out of high school. He just so happened to play for his dad. Travis Hunter, the number one high school player in America and will be a top 10 pick next year, assuming, you know, nothing bad happens. And Dylan Edwards was a kid who was committed to Notre Dame, who has known Deion Sanders since he was a kid and flipped to Colorado. So I think what you what you said is a thousand percent right. This isn't um, uh, uh, disagreeing with what you said, but the people that were like, this is a one win team. This is a this is the worst. No. Last year's Colorado was the worst roster in college football, which is why Dion had to bring in 60 new players or whatever it was. So we can debate what the ceiling is. We can debate whatever. But, and I'm not trying to disrespect anybody in our business. We all have opinions. Some of me get right, some of you get wrong. But that's just one that I fundamentally disagree with, is at the very least, the skill position guys, a couple of them could play anywhere in college football. And so this notion that it was just this ragtag group of guys that was going to try real hard, I just, I never bought into that at all. I think it is a great story in week one. I think it's an amazing story. It's a story that's going to dominate college football, and there's a very good chance that it continues in week two. Sure. You know, Colorado, uh, home to Nebraska, coming up on Saturday. Big noon kickoff will be in Boulder for that one. So, like, it's it's following the primetime tour and, and, what they're, and, and what Dion is doing. And I'm not saying it's going to get old quick. My point is this, is they, they probably will beat Nebraska. But with T, like TCU is is this other equation, and I get it. TCU is not on the national landscape. But when you pour everything into why this is the debut of all debuts, I agree. This is you know Doug Gottlieb here on Fox Sports Radio. I work on Doug's show weekly. Doug made a post about you know did Dion change college football? I think it's way off point. I don't think that that, that we're even close to that. But what I will say is what else adds to this dynamic is. Here was this game against the uniform and the name of the the school that made it into the national championship game last season. And that's what I think also adds to it. But in saying that, I think you know why I said name and uniforms, because it's not the same team that went to the national championship last year. So you but you have this image of, hey, TCU Granted, they were, you know, destroyed by Georgia, but now you're thinking this is a program that made it to the national championship game. And I almost in a weird way, because it's not a TCU story, but I think that in a, in a weird way, it is a little bit, 
we don't know if TCU stinks or not. Sure. Like, we have no idea. But because they have, you know, they're, they're ranked 17th coming into this game. And, again, I am a fan of preseason rankings. I know people don't like them. I love them. I want preseason rankings. I don't think they should ever go away. But there is a true realization here that TCU may just be a 500 football team this year. You know, like, mm-hmm. and, 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 and even in saying that, it doesn't take anything away from what Colorado did yesterday and living up to what they are and really displaying what they are. Because I don't think the team changes, Aaron, from week to week. It's just a matter of, all right, is their defense going to be able to get stops? And is the other team going to be able to stop them on a, on a few occasions? You know, that's what I think it comes down to. But in the game yesterday, I'm like, I don't know if TC is that good. You know, we, we have no idea. Well, and it's interesting because that was one of the reasons, and again, I'm not going to sit here and pretend that I picked Colorado to win outright, but I did say in the lead up, like, I think it's a possibility. And also on top of that, um, I I thought that, um, you know, I thought thought it could happen. I thought it could happen. I thought it would be close. And, you know, we all give picks in in this business. And my my best pick, my my favorite pick of the weekend was uh, Colorado plus the points. But Part of it was because of everything I just mentioned about Colorado, but part of it was TCU too. And like, again, two things on TCU can be true. Last year was awesome. It was fun. It was a great story. They also work. They they're like as somebody who hosts every single Saturday. There was some insane luck involved. They 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 you know they they showed the stat last night. They or during the game yesterday. They were six and one in one possession games, and some of those games were wild. Like it, it, we don't have to go through a, a TCU rabbit hole. But the bottom line is, like, even go back to the college football playoff game. J.J. McCarthy threw two pick sixes. Two pick sixes. You have the weird touchdown that Michigan scored that gets overturned and then they fumble and whatever. It's like there was a lot of stuff that went right last year. The defense wasn't good. And, oh, by the way, all the guys that were so important in leading you to that national championship game, Max Duggan, Quentin Johnson, et cetera, et cetera, they're not all gone, but a significant number of them are as well. So this isn't to take away from Dion. It isn't to take away from Colorado. And it isn't to say that they didn't prove a lot of people wrong and that they can't potentially overachieve this coming season. But part of it is exactly what you said, Dan, which is the idea that um, as great as this was, TCU just might also not be as good as we think as well. And that doesn't lessen what happened yesterday with Colorado, right? 100%. I mean, like, the point is, is there are people, you know, Dion is even at fault. He's saying, now do you believe? Well, we're talking about one game. You know, they they played a heck of a game. And I would say to the people that said, it's the worst roster in college football, or this team's not going to win any games this season. Now they may need need to believe because guess what? There's already one game. They're one game in. Like that's they've got the one game. They've proven them wrong, and I think that they'll win more games. I I mean I don't I don't think after what we saw yesterday you'd think otherwise, but in terms of the whole big picture. I think we just got to slow down just a little bit. Like they rose to the challenge in the biggest of spots and the biggest debuts that we've seen in college football in a long, long time. But, you know, they won this war. It seems to be that there's a bigger battle. And a lot of people are wanting to cash in their chips right now to say, see, I told you so. And I would just caution at that. I, I will say I do like the notion that like all of, all of us in the media – when something goes right in week one, whether it's college football, college basketball, early season NBA, whatever, we in the media are all like, see, I told you, Alabama's quarterback problem isn't a problem at all. They put up 56 points. That was basically what Dion did at the podium yesterday. 
Like he just he just pulled exactly what we pull, and I know there's a separate conversation about what he said about the media. But he didn't he kind of sound like a media member? Like didn't he kind of sound like a guy that just kind of hangs out at Fox Sports Radio in the afternoon when yes. you're doing the Doug Gottlieb? See, I mean, I, 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 I and by the way, I, I'm I'm I am that guy too, so I will readily admit it. But yeah, I could see myself hanging out in the corner after my show. I told you Colorado was going to be good, and that was basically exactly what Dion did after the game. It was great. He's Aaron Torres. I'm Dan Beyer. It is Fox Sports Sunday. Get Aaron at Aaron underscore Torres. You can find me on Twitter.com at Dan Beyer on Fox. Monty Bolaños is here. She'll have, according to Monty, coming up in 30 minutes. Plus, give us the latest of what is happening at the bottom of the hour. So much college football to get to. And trust me, we aren't done talking about Colorado and TCU and what transpired yesterday in Fort Worth. But coming up next, what transpired yesterday in Bloomington, Indiana, And what does that say about the top of college football? We'll talk about it next year on Fox Sports Radio. Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com. And within the iHeartRadio app, search FSR to listen live. Dynasty the king. king. What's good, y'all? It's your main man, Michael Smith, esteemed NFL analyst and certified fantasy football legend. Allow me to present to you your new favorite fantasy football podcast, The Dynasty Exchange, hosted by my first-round rookie picks, Davis, Dylan, and Josh, three guys who most definitely know their stuff. They're the co-commissioners of the coolest and most cutthroat dynasty league you'll ever come across, the Yacht Club. And now they're the co-hosts of the most elite. Now make that the definitive dynasty program in the game. It's dedicated to only the most devoted of diehards, the guys like me who can't stay off sleeper in KTC. And trust me, you won't regret making the choice to follow their dynasty advice. Listen to Michael Smith Presents The Dynasty Exchange on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com. And within the iHeartRadio app, search FSR to listen live. Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Join us March 20th live from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City, featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award-winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. The all-new Infiniti QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted, so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. When you're an American Express Platinum Card member, don't be surprised if you say things like, Chef, what course are we on? I've, I've lost count. Or, shoot that, shoot that! And even... Checkout's not until 4, so... Because the American Express Platinum Card offers access to exclusive reservations at renowned restaurants, elevated experiences at live events, and 4 p.m. late checkout at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. That's the powerful backing of American Express. See how to elevate your experiences at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Terms apply. 
What's up? I'm John Wall. And I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. Everyone, please welcome Coach John Calipari. We're getting beat by 18. My first game in Kentucky. They're saying cows are bust. You can't coach. This is crazy. John Wall runs down the floor and makes a buzzer beater. Yep. You remember that, John? That's my first game win I ever made. Remember you said you never seen me do that. Ladies and gentlemen, DeMarcus Boogie Cousins. I called Boogie. I'm like, yo, bro, I'm about to commit to Duke. And I hung up on him. <laughs> bro, I'm talking about, do you want to tell me how many times he called me all type of names? Bro, you really sold me out. You doing this. <laughs> <laughs> bro, I was sick. I remember that like yesterday, man. Love you, John Wall. Thanks, Coach. Love you, too. You made me everything I am today. Nah, you made me. You made me. I love it. Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. It wasn't even supposed to be my That's my game. <laughs> Fox Sports Sunday. Talking a lot about what happened on Saturday. I'm Dan Byer. He's Aaron Torres. Week one of college football. Started to wind down, but how great was it yesterday to have that full slate? Hit Aaron up at Aaron underscore Torres. You can find me at Dan Bayer on Fox. I know there's going to be some bias, but I, as I as I said this past week, when I look at my when I look at my teams and I look at at my teams, Aaron, and I said this to you, uh, I believe on on Tuesday or Wednesday, that I always look at my my squads half with a glass half empty. I always look at the negative side of things. And even though the season was new, you know, new, there's a lot of hope. One game in, maybe you're just kind of like, all right, whatever. Well, Ohio State yesterday, ranked third in the country, uh, went to Indiana, got the win. Conference win. That's always good. Doing so, I don't want to say unimpressive fashion, but I'm going to say unimpressive fashion on the offensive side of the ball beating Indiana 23-3. to The glass half full guy says, look at the defense. Defense stepped it up. We had wanting to see changes, and we saw them yesterday in full effect. Guy with the glass half empty says, Indiana was playing two quarterbacks, couldn't settle on anything. Um, the offense seemed to be out of rhythm. There was a quarterback battle in camp that ended up not transpiring on the football field as Kyle McCord got a majority of the snaps, all but three of them yesterday. I left the, the game, and I think Buckeye fans do as well, really with mixed feelings. And mixed feelings aren't good when you're trying to compete for a Big Ten title and a national championship. I know it's one game. But I have a feeling that there may be a little bit of worry in Columbus right now. Yeah, and I, you know, something that kind of bothers me about, uh, you know, like people who criticize what 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 we do in our business is, and I, I criticism is part of what comes with it. But it's like we in our business, we understand that it's only one game and that it's a long season, and you could go back. You know, C.J. Stroud wasn't great in his first game, whatever. But we also have to react to what we saw on the field. And what we saw on the field relative to what we are used to seeing from Ohio State football, uh, as you said, it was a little bit underwhelming. And I think part of it is because of what the program was, and that's the expectations that you have. By the way, you could say, oh, it's only one game and it doesn't matter. Just for fun, I just looked it up. Two years ago, when Ohio State didn't even win the Big Ten or make the college football playoff, they won at Indiana 54-7. to Now, granted, Granted, it was later in the season, whatever. But I bring it up to say, yes, you don't want to overreact. Yes, Ohio State really has two what what should be easy wins before they play at Notre Dame uh, three Saturdays from now. 
But we also have to react to what we saw, and we have to react to also what history tells us we should expect to see. And what we expect to see from an Ohio State team in the Ryan Day era is a team with a quarterback that sprays the ball all over the field, elite wide receivers, which we know they have, and then to your point, you hope the defense can can be improved and get better and all that stuff. Well, we just didn't see it on the offensive end. Doesn't mean Kyle McCord's bad. Doesn't mean that um, the season's a ru- the season's over. Don't even bother playing the games. But also, if you are an Ohio State fan, you are very much allowed to be worried based on what you saw. And based on, by the way, what you know is coming ahead. Penn State dominates. Michigan dominates. Notre Dame has looked good through two games. Ohio State, on the other hand, did not look very good yesterday. I, I, you know, and, I, and I think that, that some may point to what Ohio State did last year against Notre Dame in Game 1, where they got the win. It wasn't necessarily pretty, but they ended up getting the win. But there is the difference between Indiana and Notre Dame. And the the point that i keep coming back to is if what was this quarterback battle all about meaning there wasn't a starter announced until this week and not only that the starter was announced but your backup then was told you're going to see action in this game and then when you watch the action that was there and it wasn't that Kyle McCord was lights out Kyle McCord had his his own troubles but if the competition was so close why did it just appear that Kyle McCord was just the better thrower of the football like why what was this competition that's the part in my mind is you saw it yesterday and maybe Devin Brown just didn't get get the opportunity but why would you have such a dilemma and I'm not trying to get so deep into Ohio State but the the point is this. It's a bigger picture. You have got a Heisman Trophy candidate and Marvin Harrison Jr. on the outside, which I think has no chance to win the Heisman because he's got to have somebody throwing him the football. Now, on the one time where he did score yesterday, it was wiped out because he stepped out of bounds. But there are, just, there are growing pains that are going to happen. And you mentioned the Notre, the Notre Dame game. Now you're just hoping, you know, in a couple of weeks, can you, can you muster up enough improvement to go into that game and maybe pull something out in South Bend? But after watching the first two weeks of the season Notre Dame's two games Ohio State's one I think a lot of people would say you know what I think Notre Dame probably wins that game coming up in a few weeks well and I think context matters too from the perspective that um you know the conversation about Ohio State over the last two years is is in general with the entire program are things going in the wrong direction and by the way that isn't just media stuff being made up Urban Meyer in the pregame uh, show yesterday with Colorado, he was talking about Deion Sanders. He was talking about what what is realistic and what isn't. He said every coach, when he interviews for a job, gets a checklist from the AD. And he said the checklist from Gene Smith when he got the Ohio State job was win every game and definitely don't lose to Michigan. And so it's not to say that Ryan Day's terrible and he needs to be fired. Well, that's not what we're saying. But what we are saying is – There has been concern about the direction of this program, two straight losses to Michigan, two straight, uh, obviously, seasons that didn't end in a Big Ten championship, although last year did end in the college football playoff. Um, And now the one thing that you knew you could rely on, wasn't sure about the defense, wasn't sure about the offensive line when they play really, really, really good teams like Michigan, but the one thing you were always sure of with Ohio State, they were going to have a great quarterback and great receivers to catch the balls that were thrown to them. Well... Now, we're not sure if they have a great quarterback. And maybe, and by the way, maybe they can win another way. Doesn't mean that they can't beat Notre Dame, that they can't beat Michigan, that they can't beat Wisconsin at Wisconsin, they can't beat Penn State, they can't beat whoever's on their schedule. But 
We have to react to what we saw. It was not impressive. And I think, again, the context of who Ohio State has been the last couple years and what it appears, the, the trends that appear to be emerging, it is okay for Ohio State fans to be concerned. It is okay for people in our business to have questions. And then, oh, by the way, if you're the opposite, if you're the glasses half full Ohio State fan, you say it's week one, that's fine too. But again, I completely understand anybody that if you're an Ohio State fan that you're concerned coming out of yesterday. Kyle McCord threw 33 passes yesterday. Ohio State uh, attempted 31 rushes. So you're 50-50 in in that regard. I feel that there was a little bit more – there was a lot more on C.J. Stroud's plate uh, over the last couple of years. But this is is the conundrum. Um, Others have talked about this as well when you you talk about this program and where it is now. And, you know, when – not only when Urban Meyer did it, but when Jim Trestle did it and had their success against Michigan, uh, especially with Urban, they were they were they were they had better players and they were tougher. They were better up front on both mm-hmm. sides of the ball, and that is a big question now with what Jim Harbaugh has, has built with Michigan because Michigan has been great up front on both sides of the ball uh, the last couple of years. Ohio State's passing game when it when it has gone up against Michigan um, at time has been stymied. And I wondered yesterday, even trying to make a positive out of it, when you're seeing a bunch of different guys get carries, you're saying to yourself, okay, this team's establishing the run, trying to help their young quarterback, but they're also using a bunch of different guys to carry that football. Maybe they're trying to make sure that Travion Henderson, who only got 12 carries, isn't hurt at the end of the year. Uh, Chip Trainum was a guy who got eight carries, actually let him in rushing yesterday. Uh, maybe they're you know, just trying to take the, there's all these things that you can, you can point to and try to convince yourself, Aaron, that when you come off of a performance like this but they just they have to play better if they're going to beat Notre Dame in three weeks that's just that's just the plain and simple of it I don't know maybe it's maybe it's something about first games maybe it'll be different over these next couple of weeks but they did seem to be uh take a step back at quarterback it's Kyle McCord's first game I get it as a starter but yeah I I can understand why there'd be some trepidation right now in in uh in Columbus well last little thought on this is that I don't know if Ryan Day said it publicly but it seemed pretty clear early in the game that he wanted to get Devin Brown the backup the guy who lost the quarterback battle some reps because he played him I think in the late first early second and then he didn't go back to him which which speaks to I don't think it was going the way that Ryan Day expected where oh I you know yes it's a big 10 game yes it's on the road but it's also Indiana I could play both quarterbacks I can see him in game action I think it became pretty clear to Brian Day really quick, hey, we got to get out of here with a win before we start trying to get cute and working on stuff sure. for three, four weeks down the road. So for anybody who says, oh, you guys are overreacting, it's like I think even Ryan Day in his heart of hearts, uh, it was a bit more of a struggle than he would probably acknowledge publicly. There, there's one other part of this that no no one's going to care about. No one's going to no one's going to feel sorry for them. And Kyle McCord was a, was a four-star prospect, five-star in some rankings uh, coming out of high school. This was also supposed to be Quinn Ewers' team. Sure, great call. You know, like when when you when you think about how it was going to lay out, NIL comes in, he reclassifies, enters early, like. But if you look at how it would have played out, this would have been a redshirt freshman season for him, and he likely would have been your starting quarterback for this game. That is such. That's a, uh, a great. So. That is a great call, and I will tell you this, Dan. Um, there's a million places to get a lot of information. I don't know. I have not heard that take from anyone, and I think it's a great take that I have not heard. So credit to you because you're spot on. Quinn Ewers, number one high school quarterback in America, was committed in the class of 2022, moves up, 
comes into a quarterback room that had three, four guys ahead of him, leaves, and now, again, to your point, if he was on his normal clock, he'd be a redshirt freshman right now and probably, frankly, the guy that would have been expected to have that job. He's Aaron Torres. I'm Dan Byers. So much to talk about for what went down on Saturday to tell us what's going down on the Sunday. Fresh off of her own show yesterday with Alex Curry making the debut. One of the uh, the one and only Monty Bolaños joins us. What's going on, Monty? Hi, guys. Happy Uh-oh. Sunday. Did it go what good? a show yesterday. I, I think it, it went well. You it know? did. Yeah. And uh, kind of what you said to me, Dan, the first time we co-hosted, I said to Alex at the end, and you know what? That's probably our worst show. There and it go. was pretty darn good. And yes. It, yeah. So I felt good after. And I, I, I think the listeners enjoyed it. They always well. say your first shows, your, the, you know, that you do is your worst show. Yeah. And I did say that to Monty. Yeah. And then I thought Monty's probably like, what the hell are you saying? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, what? <laughs> yeah, he but did. Now you know what I mean. Yes, now you no. know what I mean, right? 100%. And I, I, even when you said that, it, it makes sense. It's the first time you're you're actually doing it. You could plan it as much as you want. You don't know how it's going to come out. Uh, but I, I think it was a lot of fun. I think it, it, it was a good show. Yeah, I was happy with it. Yes. And then Aaron, you being nice to me, I said to I Dan, I was like, I don't know how to deal when Aaron's nice to me. I feel like he's like well, my brother. Like we usually proud, bicker. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, we're proud of you in our heart yeah. of hearts. Well, thank you guys. Thank but you. But now I'll go back and listen to the tape and I'll pick apart some stuff. Please do. Then, then, then I'll feel episode, better. Please yeah. do. I did tell Monty, I go, honestly, I go, I listened at the start of the show, but Ohio State was playing. And so I, <laughs> I, I, I put it aside and tried to watch a mediocre offense. Not uh, offended. But, yeah. <laughs> Not offended at all. All right, guys, we do have one college football game going on right now. Number 18, Oregon State and San Jose State. Who's Oregon State's quarterback again? DJ Uyunglele. Is that right? That's pretty darn close. Yeah, I'm giving an 88% on it. Okay, all right. I heard Listen. Steve Hartman and her going through it on the last show. Yes. So. I know it's been a year. I still can't get it. So hopefully we'll get it. But that guy, mm-hmm, he's thrown for 124 yards. Let's completed. be honest. Monty just wishes he was benched. <laughs> like she wishes San Jose State was up 21 to 3 and uh, that he was benched and then she wouldn't have to worry about it. Or I wish things. it was like a Spanish name. You yeah. know what I mean? Like Arenado <laughs> or something. Then I uh, could do that. That's uh, really what I wish. But that guy, DJ, he's completed 11 of 14 passes for 124 yards, one touchdown, no interceptions. They just got going in the third quarter with the Beavers up 21 to 3. Now let's do a little baseball because the Twins and the Rangers have been going back and forth. They are once again tied. It's 5 5, top of the ninth inning in Texas. Blue Jays and Rockies were on a rain delay, not anymore. Blue Jays on top, though, 5-3 in Colorado, top of the fifth inning. The Angels are blanking the A's, 3-0 bottom of the fifth inning. And the Dodgers have just scored, adding another run over the Braves. It's 2-0 bottom of the fifth inning. Obviously, MVP debate going on with this series. Braves have won the first three games. Let's see if the Dodgers can get this one. But yesterday, Ronald Acuna Jr. hit the hardest ball of the year. It was a 400 50-foot solo shot to center field, and it came off his bat at 121.2 miles per hour. That is fast. The Sager dropped something about some guy threw the ball from the outfield yesterday at like some sort of record rate, too. Oh, really? So, yeah, I forget what it was. The Sager mentioned it last night. Oh, that's awesome. Probably they threw it back. It was probably a Braves home run and somebody threw it back, I assume. <laughs> no, it, it wasn't the movie Rookie of the Year. Okay. That's not That's not what I was thought. Got no, it. Yeah, I, don't, I forget what it was, but he's, some some guy threw somebody out at home or something. Ah. Oh, I see. I see what you got. I got it. Got it. Sorry to say. Girl. All good. Orioles are currently beating the Diamondbacks 4-2. Bottom of the fifth. Raisin Guardians tied at two apiece. Bottom of the fifth as 
well. And the Padres have added another run. They're blanking the Giants 4-0, bottom of the fifth inning. Earlier today, the Marlins, they scored two runs in the ninth inning, held on to beat the Nationals 6-4. Luis Arraez went two for four, continues to have the best batting average at 356. The Cubs scored 10 runs in the final two innings to beat the Reds 15-7. This loss bumps Cincinnati out of the final wildcard spot in the National League by half a game along with the Marlins. Phillies were down, but they weren't out. They ended up topping the Brewers 4-2. Pete Alonso not only hit home run number 40, he also hit home run number 41. He reached 100 RBIs, and the Mets beat the Mariners 6-3. Seattle still has a half-game lead on the Astros for the top spot in the AL West, and the Red Sox with a 7-3 victory over the Royals. At the U.S. Open, Coco Goff split her first two sets in the round of 16, but dominated the third set six games to one. She's she's advancing to the quarterfinals for the second straight year. Francis Tiafo has won his first two sets in his fourth round match. And Ben Shelton, only 20 years old, became the youngest American man to reach the U.S. quarterfinals since Andy Roddick did it in 2002. Shelton also had a ridiculous serve, the fastest serve of the U.S. Open so far, 149 miles per hour. Wow. I don't know what I would have done if that ball was coming at me, 149 miles per hour. He's I, the Acuna Jr. of the U.S. Is. Yes. Exactly, exactly. And a little NFL news. It's been a busy day. Cowboys and right tackle Terrence Steele have agreed on a five-year, $86.8 million contract extension. As for Chris Jones and the Kansas City Chiefs, NFL media reported earlier today the two remain far apart on a deal. He continues his holdout four days before the season begins as the Chiefs are facing the Lions on Thursday. If you're wondering how his tab's looking, he has racked, racked up roughly $2 million in fines during the training camp holdout, gave up about half a million in workout in a workout bonus, and he will forfeit an additional million dollars for every regular season game missed. That's a lot of money. Yeah. Get out there. Get out there. Back to you guys. I don't care if you think you can do it. You're not going to be able to do it forever. That, that is true. That is true. You know? Usually when, when – when I mean, the fines are one thing, but game checks are uh, a, a whole other story in my mind. Ugh. You would think something would happen. Yeah. But again, who knows? Maybe uh, maybe there's a bigger fight at hand. I know Travis Kelsey wants Chris Jones at camp, so mm-hmm. they're yeah, back so with yeah. the team. Uh, jinx. Uh, uh, jinx. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Thank you very much, yeah. Monsi Bolaños. Don't worry, she's going to be back in a second uh, with, according to Monsi. Uh, things couldn't be final for one Carolina. That was North Carolina last night. Drake May and the Tar Heels taking it to South Carolina. Uh, it wasn't one of the marquee, marquee games, but it was definitely one of the top five games that we had on our schedule. And Mac Brown's crew and his Heisman Trophy winning quarterback uh, – seemed to to look the part despite maybe just a, a little slip up here or there last night. Yeah, that was one kind of definitely, uh, you know, I was in studio a little early last night. I'm caught up in this Spectrum mess. Uh, so I had all these games on. And, yeah, I mean, listen, I think Drake May, it's wild because, um, you know, even though he's a top five pick, even though um, North Carolina won nine games last year, I just don't think a lot of people are as familiar with him. And I know he had two interceptions, but I thought he looked really good. I actually thought the, the North Carolina defense looked better than – than a lot of people expected. So I think for a lot of people, probably there wasn't a ton of marquee games in that late night, you know, that 7.30 Eastern time window. So probably a lot of people tuned in just to see what the hype was about. Even though the stat line doesn't blow you away with two interceptions, I actually thought he looked very, very, very good. Um, and I can see why NFL people like him as much as they do. And a couple of things with that, even just kind of 
piggyback on what we're talking about Ohio State, you know, sometimes, too, when you're looking at teams, you don't know if a team is peaking in week one or if they're just that good to start. Okay, that can be a can be a question. In North Carolina's case, you also have a new offensive coordinator in there, so there could be a you know problem with hic- you know hiccups. But I think you know May. I think the graphic was he had eight different receivers you know in the in the first twenty minutes of of the game, spreading the football around and didn't even have his top guy out there. So promising stuff, despite maybe a couple of the turnovers. But you win that game. Felt like it was a pretty good atmosphere last night in Charlotte with the the two schools, but uh, good on North Carolina for getting that victory. He's Aaron Torres. I'm Dan Beyer. The ACC needs some good news coming along. Maybe they'll get it tonight when Florida State takes on LSU. We shall find out. And Clemson doesn't play until Monday night when they take on Duke. Hit Aaron up at Aaron underscore Torres. You can find me at Dan Beyer on Fox. Coming up next, if you think Monty had a lot to say previously, Wait till you hear what she's really got on her mind. That's next year, live from the TireRack.com studios on Fox Sports Radio. Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Join us March 20th live from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City Featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award-winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. The all-new Infiniti QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted, so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. An epic matchup between your two favorite teams, and you're at the game getting the most from what it means to be here with American Express. You breeze through the card member entrance, stop by the lounge. Now it's almost tip-off, and everyone's already on their feet. This is going to be good. That's the powerful backing of American Express. See how to elevate your live sports experience at AmericanExpress.com slash with Amex. Eligible American Express card required. Benefits vary by card and by venue. Terms apply. What's up? I'm John Wall. And I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. Everyone, please welcome Coach John Calipari. We're getting beat by 18. My first game in Kentucky. They're saying cows are busted. You can't coach. This is crazy. John Wall runs down the floor and makes a buzzer beater. Yep. You remember that, John? That's my first game win I ever made. Remember you said you never seen me do that. Ladies and gentlemen, DeMarcus Boogie Cousins. I called Boogie. I'm like, yo, bro, I'm about to commit to Duke. And I hung up on him. <laughs> bro, I'm talking about, do you want to tell me how many times he called me all type of names? Bro, you really sold me out. You doing this. <laughs> <laughs> bro, I was sick. I remember that like yesterday, man. Love you, John Wall. Thanks, Coach. Love you, too. You made me everything I am today. Nah, you made me. You made me. I love it. Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. It wasn't even supposed to be That's my game. <laughs> Fox Sports Sunday. I'm Dan Byer. He's Aaron Torres. DJ Uyunga Lele and the Oregon State Beavers still up on San Jose's. 
State 21 to 3 in what could be a conference game uh, sooner rather than later. Hit Aaron up at Aaron underscore Torres. You can find me at Dan Bayer on Fox. But uh, right now, DJ Uyunglele, Aaron uh, living up to uh, what he we thought he could, at least in leading this Beavers team to a victory. I wish him well. Um, yeah, it didn't go well at Clemson. I thought he said some unfair things on his way out, but I also understand his frustration. So we get one more run. By the way, only undefeated Power 5 team in college football right now, the Pac-12. So well, our, Conference. Much? Conference, and what did I say? No, yeah, no. another team, but that's okay, conference. Yes. I, I don't know if I misspoke. Iowa Sam made me thinking that I said Drake May won the Heisman, which I don't think I said because I know that he didn't, but if I did misspeak earlier, obviously that is not correct. Caleb Williams, the Heisman Trophy uh, winner from last season, but we will be talking Heisman a little bit later on in the show. But uh, right now, it's time for Monsi. Great. <laughs> and now, it's time for... Absolutely nuts. It's not going to be pretty. According to Monsi. I love it. I will say, I did try to say Uyunglele as much as I could <laughs> as he just threw a touchdown pass, just like I think Monsi flexes with some of the Hispanic names she can pronounce. Uh, just uh, trying to turn the tables. Yeah, no, go ahead. Flex it. Flex it. <laughs> All right. According to Monsi... Deion Sanders is the type of coach everyone should want. Yeah, obviously winning last night was big. But aside from that win, I feel like Sanders is the type of coach you'd want because he's very passionate about his players, but he seems like like a guy's guy. Like he's not too cool for school. And I feel like that's going to get Colorado a lot of new fans this season. Earlier this year, that was that, there was that story suggesting by some people that he was like promoting fighting. And if you listen to it, that wasn't the case at all. He was trying to promote solidarity and not leaving your teammates behind. I like his unorthodox kind of style. I think it works. It's who he is. And apparently, he doesn't use the term captain for his players, which I really like. Uh, his quarterback, Shooter Sanders, did I say that right? Shador. Shador, Shador Sanders has an L along with Shane Cook on their jersey. That L stands for leaders. And then two other players, Jace Feely and Travis Hunter, have a D, and it stands for dogs. D-A-W-G-S. <laughs> All four of those players were out there for the coin toss. I like that. I like Coach Prime. He's got a new fan in me. My wife puts an L on my forehead, but I think that's... <laughs> I don't know I'm about just the, kidding. the D for dog. I like that. Yeah, I According like that. to Monsi. According to Monsi, Bengals wide receiver T. Higgins is the real MVP, unlike... Love our ball. Okay, yeah. Let's talk about T. Higgins first. Real one. He recently had a meet and greet, and I'm sure he was scheduled to go for a certain amount of time. There's this really awesome video that you can tell it wasn't a setup. It's like a fan, right? And he's walking out of his meet and greet, and he's smiling, saying hi. And then he looks like down the street, and he's like, all of you guys are still waiting to see me? And they're like, yeah. And he walks right back inside after they told him he was done. Not everybody would do that. It's so important for the fans. I love how he handled the situation. The reason the NFL is so successful is because of the fans in big part. Bengals fans should be proud to have somebody like T. Higgins on their team. Then we have LeVar, LeVar Ball. This guy's really something. There's a video going around social media promoting the Big Baller brand merchandise, and he is specifically promoting a new pair of shoes. What are you doing, my guy? Read the room. Don't talk about shoes right now. Everybody thinks your son's not playing basketball anymore because of Big Baller brand shoes. <laughs> like, read the room. No boy. <laughs> I did see that T. Higgins video on TikTok, so it was making the rounds. It it's was awesome. Cool. Awesome. Yes. Uh, you ball out, you just it has a different meaning. Yeah. You just want LeVar Ball out, out of your life. <laughs> yes. All right. All right. Do you have another one? According yeah. to Monsi. Yeah, All right. No, hold on. 
According to Monty, boys are so weird. Okay, so let me tell you what I'm doing with my boyfriend, okay? So I have complained to my boyfriend that we've been dating for over 10 years. My name on his phone is my legal name. That's it. My legal name. And we argue about that. I'm like, why is it nothing? Not an emoji, not a, my girlfriend, not this. He sent me an article of guys saying that they don't, that that's what they do, that that's how they save their girlfriends or wives' names. Am I wrong? How do you guys have your significant other's names in your phone? So I have a pretty funny story about this. So <laughs> my wife gave me a fake name when she met me. <laughs> it was, her name is Yeni, Y-E-N-I <gasps> Ramirez. And she said, my name is Elizabeth. And so I was like, so for like a year, I had it as Elizabeth Ramirez in my phone. And so she was like, what are you doing? And I was like, you know what she said to me? She's like, boys are so weird. Boys are so weird. I was like, I'll change it. So that's my story. So I I sympathize with your boyfriend. I don't think he's doing anything wrong. No, clearly, clearly. But why? Uh, Because boys are weird. Boys are weird. And we're lazy, too. I'm also just lazy, yeah. Ah, uh, there it is. According to Monty, here on Fox Sports Radio, live from the Tyrac.com studios. He's Aaron Torres. I'm Dan Byer. Monty's here. Iowa Sam Bowl. We're talking Big Ten next here on Fox Sports Radio. Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at FoxSportsRadio.com. And within the iHeartRadio app, search FSR to listen live. Welcome in. Our NFL insider Adam Kaplan will be welcomed in in 20 minutes or so as we look ahead to week one of the NFL season. What in the world are the Kansas City Chiefs going to do without their star defensive lineman and how long could the Chris Jones holdout continue? We'll ask Adam Kaplan that and so much more in 20 minutes as we are broadcasting live from the TireRack.com studios. TireRack.com will help you get there with unmatched selection, fast free shipping, free road hazard protection, and over 10,000 recommended installers. TireRack.com the way tire buying should be. Aaron Torres is with me today, and Aaron pointed out earlier that the Pac-12 right now sitting on a perfect week one of the college football season. All of the teams would have grabbed victories. It wasn't easy for UCLA last night against Coastal Carolina, but still a win is a win is a win. And if Oregon State can hold on to this 25-point lead that Monty told you about in the third quarter, the Pac-12 would actually have something going for them for once, even in the final year of whatever this the, the, whatever their existence it's going to be in this current form, uh, this is going to be the last year of it. So things good right now for the Pac-12 in the short term, long term, different story. Things for the Big Ten, good long term, short term, Aaron, that may also be a different story. We had touched on earlier Ohio State and the way that they looked against Indiana. I thought it was a weird week one for the conference. I thought there were a couple of things that stood out. And first and foremost, this whole Michigan free Harbaugh, <laughs> let's do the formation for him. Um, that didn't go over well. Like, I don't any, I didn't see anybody, I, and I know a bunch of Michigan fans. I didn't see anybody who was like, yep, that's for our head coach. Seemed like a really, really weird thing for the Michigan players to do, uh, not only prior, during, after their win yesterday against East Carolina. One of the weird things that we saw in the Big Ten. It was weird, um, and I, I, it was just weird, but I'll also say, like, I, I think it kind of, spe- like, the fact that um, they have his back. I mean, one, obviously, it's it's a weird deal as to why he was suspended. We get all that. Uh, but also, I mean, y- you think about what Jim Harbaugh has put those kids through the last couple of years, two separate off seasons where he has publicly flirted with the NFL. 
He went to interview with the Minnesota Vikings on National Signing Day, the day that met, not, maybe not many, but a handful of those players signed with Michigan. For them to have his back through all this, I, I think is like a weirdly good sign that they that it, listen, we can agree or disagree if they should have done it, but it is clear they're all to use a PJ Fleck term, they're all rowing in the right direction. So I think on the one hand, it was a little weird. But I also think it's kind of cool that they have their coaches back uh, in what is obviously a bizarre situation. It does. It does show unity. Yes. In a month, I think it's something that we will forget about. Sure. I just think in the moment, though, with what's at stake, and 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 this is this is what you're gonna this is what you're gonna take a stance on in college football when your coach wasn't cooperating with an investigation and what went wrong. It just seemed that it was. It just was very misguided would be the phrase that that I would use. But apparently that's not the case within the locker room. And maybe that is all that matters. When you look at the state of the league and where they are, they had no trouble yesterday with East Carolina. East Carolina kicked a field goal late uh, just to put points on the board. But it was it was domination by a Michigan team. And the games without Jim Harbaugh aren't going to be daunting. They should be able to navigate those unscathed. I looked at the rest of the conference as well. And that's in addition to Ohio State. Uh, Wisconsin had troubles with Buffalo early. Ended up pulling away. Penn State. Looked pretty good against West Virginia last night. I will say that in that first game on NBC. By the way, side note with all of that, and I know that you were on last night during it, but to see the Big Ten on CBS, to see NBC have other college football outside of Notre Dame, very, very unique. And, and I remember when the Big Ten used to be on CBS. But, to, you know, Ohio State and Indiana were there, Brad Nessler, Gary Danielson, for them to not be at Bryant-Denny Stadium or maybe in Oxford, Mississippi. It was weird watching TV with some of the network changes on all these new TV deals. Yeah, it's funny because up until this year, CBS has always had these weird one-off games, including like this game that's on right now, Oregon State's uh, uh, San Jose State. Obviously, CBS, not to get too nerdy, but they have the Mountain West package, so that allows them to have this game. But it's usually, there's always like one weird game that they get, and then they get Army-Navy. So you you see uh, Gary and Brad Nessler in like very unique circumstances, but to just be at a random Ohio State-Indiana game, and it was funny too, because watching the game, and maybe I, I was the only one that noticed this, Dan, but you know, the, the, the narrative on Gary Danielson, who I actually think is very good, but it's, oh, he's an SEC homer, he's an SEC honk, he's an SEC this... I heard three or four times where he would just re- he would reference something and then be like, yeah, it reminds me of that time that Bryce Young did this last year, blah, 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 blah. And I was thinking, I was like, I'm sure that Big Ten fans are not going to be happy if every time that they have a game on CBS, uh, Gary's comparing uh, you know, <laughs> Penn State's backup quarterback to Peyton Manning's backup quarterback back in 1997 or something like that. So it was definitely different, but it's the new world. We're going to have to get used to it because obviously uh, this is the new world that we've signed up for. So. It was it was also, and as a Big Ten guy, I'm, I'm, I will admit this, I thought it was different. They showed a couple of aerial shots uh you know the stadium in bloomington and there were empty seats and sometimes you get this because i don't know when uh, when classes start for indiana but sometimes you get this because students aren't there sometimes school doesn't start till mid-september late september for some of these schools so i get it but i just thought about it like would that be the case would that have been the case in the sec aaron because 
if it was an SEC game to start the season, yep. it likely would have been a game that would be worthwhile to to go. And it just felt that it was a different feeling. Plus, half the fans in Bloomington yesterday seemed to be uh, Ohio State fans. So you had so you had this road like fan base. I thought about them being in that environment compared to the other SEC environments. You know, like you wouldn't you wouldn't see that in Death Valley and Baton Rouge. Well, especially and, when the best team in the conference is coming in. Yes, yes, exactly. Exactly. It was a completely different feel and unique with all of it, but it was just it was weird to see it. And their voices, to your point of there are people who are critical of everybody's critical of announcers and there's certain reasons why uh they are critical. But to have Nestler and Danielson be doing the Big Ten game was different. It really was different not having them at an SEC game, something that we're going to need to need to get used to. And, and just even the NBC games you know, that we saw. Say. Well, that's yeah. what I was going to say is, I, you know, I – uh, you know, obviously, when NBC got this TV package, it became a thing because the Big Ten, after whatever it is, November 1st, doesn't play night games because of travel and weather and this and that. I remember, like, it wasn't that long ago. It was maybe like six or seven years ago that Michigan wanted to play a night game and they had never played a night game or they hadn't played a night game in this long or they hadn't played a night game this late in the year. And it was like a big thing of, like, Michigan's going to play a night game. And now the last probably six, seven, eight years, it's become a little bit more commonplace. But, you know, as a perfect example, last night with Penn State, they the whiteout is they basically get one night game a year that they know is a night game, and that's the game that everybody gears up for whatever. And now it's like Penn State might have three, four, five night games, just depending on how the schedule breaks with this new TV contract. So it's definitely different. Uh, obviously, look, great exposure for the league. Um, you know, I'm not here to tell anybody how to spend money. I think it's kind of crazy that the third Big Ten game is getting as much, you know, coverage and, and interest as it is. But this is the new world we live in. But it was definitely a different feel. And obviously, as these TV contracts sort themselves out, it's going to be interesting, certainly, to see this continue the way that it is. Iowa Sam is here watching his Hawkeyes top Utah State yesterday. <sighs> yes, uh, guys, I just wanted to play off uh, kind of a, what you guys were talking about. I don't. Can, can you really blame Gary Danielson for like making comparisons to Bryce Young in Alabama? No. When you're, no, watch, no, when you're no. watching an SEC product, and no offense to the Big Ten, I'm a Big Ten guy, but there's a lot of unwatchable ball in the Big Ten. Let's be let's be frank here. <laughs> there is, and Gary Danielson and and Brad Nessler have to then watch like a you know I know they weren't on the call, but like a thirteen to ten kind of game, <laughs> or you know like a seventeen to three, and you're just like and it's not because <sighs> the defenses were so great. No, like no, it's sloppy. SEC. It's not that great a ball. It's sometimes. not because it's LSU and they have eleven starters that are going to be in the NFL next year. It's because yes. both teams were just really sloppy. A seventeen to three LSU over Ole Miss in the SEC is different than. Like Rutgers over Northwestern twenty four to seven. <laughs> uh, that was a tough watch no, today. Yeah, yeah. You know, and you're, and I think, I think people can be unfair to guys like that. And again, can you blame Gary Danielson? Should he go back and watch all of the games from the Big Ten last year? Um, probably not. Not when guys have moved on. But maybe you know, certain there would be no reason for him to watch C.J. Stroud from last year. But. Maybe you do look at what Ohio State did at some point and say, hey, this could be. So I think that's what maybe fans expect. But to your point, and what is interesting about this, and it hadn't dawned on me until you guys were just talking about this, of how much how much the audience is changing. Like when, when I would 
full disclosure, if the Big Ten has a game on ABC or Fox in that 4 o'clock, you know, 3.30 Eastern, 4, or 4 o'clock Eastern time window, that's the game that I'm watching and I'm flipping over to CBS to maybe check in on the SEC. Now I would feel like, okay, now my attention is going to be on that CBS game. And with those guys, like we're talking about full regions of the country that are no longer watching those games. So when you talk about offending someone, I can understand, too, why people are like, hey, wait a sec, because you're not just offending me. You really are, you know, in an essence, offending a full conference that has no idea what you were talking about because they weren't watching Bryce Young last year like it's not just a minor shift it is a major landscape shift with your audience and same with the sec now you know doing theirs on espn and abc but an enormous shift amount of viewers now that will be watching cbs for big 10 games completely it's a great point i hadn't even thought of it from that perspective is um yeah i mean obviously everybody knows who bryce young is but the idea that you know an Ohio State fan is just watch because because I, I I usually probably default to the CBS game at three thirty uh, previously when it was all SEC and I know they still have a few games this year and then next year it switches over full time but it's just become such kind of a brand of that big three thirty Eastern CBS game. Um, but you think about it, yeah, if you're an Ohio State fan, you're probably more interested in either Ohio State that's playing or whoever, you, you know, if Penn State's in that window, whatever. So I hadn't even thought of it like that. But yeah, it's like it is in a weird way, almost an entirely new audience uh, in that window. It, it's just uh, it, it really is changing. And then, oh, by the way, Dan, don't forget next year uh, it might be, a, a, you know, it might be a whatever, an Iowa, Oregon game in that window or something like that. So it's <laughs> oh, going to yeah. continue <laughs> to evolve, baby. It's continue to evolve. Oh, man. I, how did you feel, Iowa, Sam? Iowa, they scored 14 early and then could only muster 24 points in the win against Utah State. Um, well, I was fooled by the first quarter. It was the first time since 2018 Iowa had multiple passing touchdowns in the first quarter. Uh, I'm thinking uh, Cade McNamara is just what Iowa needed, the infusion of talent to make this offensive work. And then it went back to same old slop. It was like three points and then it was nothing in the third quarter and then they finally got another touchdown in the fourth quarter um i don't know if brian ferentz spent two months drafting up those two touchdown drives one of which was broken coverage where a guy fell down or or whatever you want to call it he fell down and so the, the wide receiver is wide open i don't know if it took months to draft up those two touchdown drives um because after that they just went right back to handing the ball off getting tackled for loss um you know the defense was played played great and, and ferentz doesn't mind just riding the defense and getting wins but it's not inspiring. It's not inspiring, and I don't know if this team has made, you know, the offensive line was getting blown up. I don't know if this team's made any progress, really, in terms of, they couldn't even run for 100 yards against, uh, you know, Utah State. So, you know, there's some there's some, some uh, caution there. There's some some reason to be concerned. Uh, so, you know, that being said, they play a tough road game with against Iowa State next week in Ames, and um, the way I look at it is Iowa State actually took control and took care of you and I as a uh, quarterback named Theo Day, who a lot of people think will be drafted in the NFL. So this could be a very tough game for Iowa. Uh, their defense Iowa played a minute again? Well, kind of. Basically, yeah, it's got a transition. I mean, I can keep going in the that. schedule if you want me to. Has, <laughs> it, has anyone taken into consideration, like, what if they don't score, but they're really good? Like, what if they go 10-2, 11-1, yeah. and they win the West? Like, is he still going to lose his job over this? If well, they don't score the points that they need he, to score. He's actually not in line to lose his job. It's I think it's just a pay reduction if he doesn't hit that oh, twenty five okay. points per game. Of course, there will be calls for his job if if their offense is putrid and averaging like seventeen point seven you know points a game like it did last year, and that's including defensive touchdowns. Um, I think that um, 
boy, I, I, they could be really good, but the, it's like you have, um, it's like the glass is half full. If the glass was completely full of offense and defense and both were very good, then Iowa could easily go 11 and 1. But they have a very good defense. And you saw, you see what happens when Iowa's defense goes up against an elite offense. Michigan in the Big Ten title game. Uh, Ohio State last year, I know they turned the ball over a lot. But Iowa can get lit up by teams sometimes when they're facing an elite offense like Ohio State or Michigan. This It was, uh, for the Big Ten as a whole, yes, the reason I just said it was, it was a tough day was, or a tougher day than maybe would have expected, was because of the, the Ohio State game against Indiana because of the second half that that Sam talked about with Iowa, I actually I'm going to give Wisconsin a little bit of a pass. I think what Badger fans were thinking of is you know brand new offense. Uh, this is you know changing everything. I think it is going to take a little bit of time for them to adjust, but still they did run away from Buffalo. It was just tight and you know closer game in the first half. Michigan played East Carolina, blank them, that's fine. Penn State handled West Virginia, that's fine. But again, when you saw what happened on Thursday night, Minnesota, Nebraska, that wasn't great. Purdue loses to Fresno State. Illinois barely, you know, wins their game. Like there's there there was it just it wasn't a great opening week for the Big Ten and for a conference that is trying to constantly prove their worth. Yeah, it just probably wasn't the greatest for them. He's Aaron Torres. I'm Dan Byer. It is Fox Sports Sunday. Hit Aaron up at Aaron underscore Torres. You can find me at Dan Byer on Fox. Coming up next, when will this Chris Jones hold out? And, and who is the sleeper team of our NFL insider to make noise this, cup, this upcoming NFL season? We'll tell you next year on Fox Sports Radio. Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other. As Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80. Join us March 20th live from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City, featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award-winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. The all-new Infiniti QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Busy weekends are a breeze with American Express Platinum Card. 8 a.m., wait to board plane in the Centurion Lounge. (sighs) Much better. 2 p.m., grab seats for the game. Come on, pick and roll! 6 p.m., book an exclusive reservation with Resi Global Dining Access. Right this way. Because the American Express Platinum Card offers access to the Centurion Lounge, must-see live events, and exclusive reservations at renowned restaurants. That's the powerful backing of American Express. See how to elevate your experiences at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Terms apply. What's up? I'm John Wall. And I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. Everyone, please welcome Coach John Calipari. We're getting beat by 18. My first game in Kentucky. They're saying, Cal's a bust. He can't coach. This is crazy. John Wall runs down the floor and makes a buzzer beater. Yep. You remember that, John? My first game win I ever made. Remember you said you never seen me do that. Ladies and gentlemen, DeMarcus Boogie Cousins. I called Boogie. I'm like, yo, bro, I'm about to commit to Duke. And I hung up on him. <laughs> 
Bro, I'm talking about, do you want to tell me how many times he called me all type of names? Bro, you really sold me out. You doing this. <laughs> bro, I was sick. I remember that like yesterday, man. Love you, John Wall. Thanks, Coach. Love you, too. You made me everything I am today. Nah, you made me. You made me. I love it. Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. It wasn't even supposed to be That's my, my game. <laughs> Fox Sports Sunday. I'm Dan Byer. He's Aaron Torres. Today's show is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Progressive makes bundling easy and affordable. Get a multi-policy discount by combining your motorcycle, RV, boat, ATV, and more. All your protection in one place. Bundle and save at Progressive.com. Uh, easy is one, two, three, four is here. Aaron is in the hot seat. He'll have his lifelines available. That's in about 12 minutes or so. Monty Bolaños also gives us the latest of what's happening in the world of sports coming up at the bottom of the hour. But right now, the guy who's telling us the latest of what's happening in the NFL as kickoff is fast approaching Thursday night in Kansas City. It's the Chiefs and Lions. Our good buddy Adam Kaplan. Hear him on the Inside the Birds podcast. Hear him here on Fox Sports Radio. Hello, Adam. Happy Labor Day weekend. Same to you guys. Yeah, looking forward to, wow, the first game is in less than a week. It's actually Thursday night. We've got that kickoff. In fact, for the Chiefs hosting the Lions, the first injury reports for both teams are due tomorrow, believe it or not, on, on Labor Day. Mm. And uh, we know that Chris Jones won't be on the injury yep. list because he's not uh, with the team. <laughs> uh, when, when is this going to end? Well, here's the cool thing. So the agents, the Cats brothers, were in Kansas City recently uh, to talk to the Chiefs. And they're, the things are moving here. They got, they've got to get above Quinn and Williams' deal. That's been kind of the numbers that I've been working with. And I still think that's, you know, that's what's got to happen here. I expect that to happen. If, you get, if he's going to get a deal, it's got to get over Quinn and Williams' deal. Quinn Williams is obviously a terrific football player. He's only 25 years old. But you're, only, you're talking about $24 million a year. They've got to get above that. Uh, it should be between 25 and 27 when it gets done. I do expect it to get done. For whatever reason, and I've covered this business, gosh, this is like year 23, unless a team has a hard deadline, the deadline obviously with the start of the season, teams just don't show their hand. They don't show their best deal. They won't make their best deal until they absolutely have to. I expect it to happen this week. Adam, let's stay with that opener. Um, you know, the Lions, obviously, last year were coming off hard knocks, a little bit of a slow start. They finished strong. Uh, curious uh, from your perspective and, and from people you've talked to in and around that organization, like we all think that they're ready to make that leap to division contender, and, of course, part of that is the situation with the Packers, new quarterback, et cetera. But um, – do you feel like they, as an organization, kind of understand that this is their moment to really maybe take a step up? Yeah, they do. I would tell you, I spent, I was with them two weeks ago when the when the Jaguars were there for joint practices in Detroit. They are embracing everything. They they want their fans to feel great. They packed it in at their their training complex. They have stands there. It was great. Uh, in fact, they said they've had bigger crowds this year than they can remember. And it's look, it's it's a really good football team now. Obviously, there's some negatives. Jameson Williams, their, their first round pick last year, suspended six games for the gambling issue. That leaves them a little bit light at the receiver position. Uh, that that would be a concern. Uh, they got some injury issues. Emmanuel Mosley, who was a corner from the Niners, uh, he's going to play. I mean, he, I mean, he's going to play early in the season. They they took him off of the physically unable to perform list. But they, as someone with the Niners told me, they're thinking long term with him this season. Having him, having much better depth in the secondary. This is a really good roster. That's the bottom line. I, 
I'm going to pick the Lions. I, have to, uh, I think in like two days I have two polls I have to vote in and I have to turn my picks in. Uh, that, there, there are a couple things that I know. I'm picking the Jaguars in the AFC South after I completely missed last year. I mean, you know the under, the under over under last year for the Jaguars is five and a half and I took under. <laughs> it's embarrassing. I know. Look, Vegas, is, they got, completely got it wrong, obviously, at five and a half. But, no, I love the Lions. Uh, that's one that I'm absolutely going to pick. I had the Giants as one of the worst teams last year, and boy, did they prove me wrong. Uh, he's Adam Kaplan joining us here on Fox Sports Radio. Also, Miriam on the Pro Football Network. Uh, that's where you can get uh, his stuff as well. Let's talk about that division, the NFC North. Is it more about the Lions, or is it about the Bears still wanting to, needing to grow with Justin Fields? Green Bay, obviously, no Aaron Rodgers. We expect the Vikings to take a step back. Is it more about the Lions, or is it about what surrounds them in that division? Well, the Lions are the clear favorite right now because of how they finished last season. In the second half in particular, their defense improved greatly. And then when you look at the Bears, we can go to there, one of the two worst teams in the National Football League last season, clearly. Now they've made a lot of upgrades. The, the DJ Moore trade, the acquisition of receiver, coming over from Carolina. And they get Chase Claypool now for a full season. He did not do well after the trade last year, coming over from the Steelers, where the, boy, the Bears gave up the top pick in the second round to go get Claypool. They get Darnell Mooney back from his, 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 his injury. First-round pick, Darnell Wright, uh, is, is going to start at right tackle. Defensively, they made a lot of upgrades and a lot of additions. The only thing they don't have, folks, and it's big, and it's why they're not going to be a playoff team, but they'll be improved, probably five or six-win area, is they have no pass rush. They, the NFL's worst pass rush last season. Unfortunately, I'm expecting the same. All they did is add Yannick Ngakwe, who's now on his fifth team. In the last four years, so that's a concern here. But other than that, I mean, it's linebacker. They improved uh, greatly. Corner, they're getting healthier. They're they're young at, at the cornerback position, but they feel good about it. It's a team that has had a good offseason in terms of acquisition, but they're a team that's in transition, and they're certainly not going to be a playoff team this season. Let's stay in that division and uh, Green Bay Packers. I mean, obviously, Jordan Love is the story. Uh, obviously, you know, Dan and I talked a little bit last week about uh, the Jonathan Taylor report that that Green Bay may have been the team that was interested in him. But what do you expect from Jordan Love here uh, in his soon-to-be debut? Yeah, uh, talking to someone with the Packers, like they really felt his knowledge of the West Coast offense hit last season. You know, the first two years coming out of Utah State. He had to sort of be deprogrammed from that offense and learn this sophisticated offense. It's an old-school West Coast offense. It's not easy to learn. It's about timing. And he, he really came on in their offseason last year. And the hope is now that they're, and they're very young at the receiver and tight end group. In fact, they're the only team that does not have a vested veteran in, in, of all 32 teams at receiver or tight end. And that I thought it was a mistake. It's the one mistake I think they made is not to have someone – you know, I like what I like what the Panthers did bringing Adam Thielen. Uh, well, I thought that was smart for a couple years. Uh, he'll be there at least with the Panthers. They need an experienced uh, pass catcher. That's what the Packers don't have, but they've got Romeo Dobbs. They've got Christian Watson, who are two second-year receivers. And they're going with two rookie tight ends, Musgrave and Kraft. Look, they're very talented at these positions, but they're also very young. Adam Kaplan joining us here on Fox Sports Radio. He's Aaron Torres. I'm Dan Beyer. Last one for me, and it's about what's going on with uh, the Patriots. Uh, Mac Jones seems to be the unquestioned number one guy. Not that, that that's, a surpri- that's a surprise, Adam, but they released Bailey Zappi. They signed Matt Corral, um, most recently he was with the Carolina Panthers, to serve as the backup. Like, 
is, is New England just all in on Mac Jones and that's it? What's going on with the Patriots in that quarterback? Position? Oh, yeah. No, I know there were rumors about Mac Jones you know, being on the trade block. What I do believe is that was a message of Mac Jones because last season, Mac Jones, the quarterback, some veteran players, they, they kind of rebelled or did not like the offense that Matt Patricia ran, uh, who was their de facto OC last season, and it, it, it was a disaster. Mac Jones took a big step back after having a terrific rookie season. Bill O'Brien's in there as the offense coordinator who's called plays before for the Patriots for many years, and it's good at managing quarterbacks. He's actually a pretty good play caller. Uh, despite what happened in Houston, he's actually pretty good at it. So, no, uh, not only is Mac Jones a starter, it was never, there was never a question. In fact, it, when you look at the owner, Robert Kraft, he actually came out and was kind of critical of how Mac Jones was handled last season, but all systems go. Matt Corral was claimed off waivers. He won't be the two. It's going to be Bailey Zappi, who's on their practice squad. That's at least their plan. Zappi passed through waivers unclaimed. He went to their practice squad. Their plan is to go back to Zappi unless it changes. Last one for me as well. Um, and let's just stay in that division. I mean, obviously the Monday night game is the one that, you know, we're, we're excited about all these games. But oh, yeah. obviously, you know, Buffalo, you know, in New York, debut of Aaron Rodgers. We've all watched Hard Knocks. We've all kind of been oversaturated with Jets content and everything like that. <laughs> I mean, we have. So, so I know. Now, what, what, what are we expecting or what are you expecting once these teams take the field? And then on the flip side, by the way, um, Probably for the Bills' perspective, probably just good to get on the field and put you know some 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 offseason headlines behind him, right? Yeah, I mean, look, the cool story and the the incredible story is Demar Hamlin's return. Uh, he, he's on the roster; he'll be a backup safety for them. It's just incredible. Actually, he had to play a lot before, uh, as we know, it's cardiac arrest on the field in Cincinnati, but he's doing great. What a great story! Here's the thing, though: the Bills look so bad in the playoffs; they barely beat the Dolphins, and they got handled the next week. This is a team to watch this season. I'm, and by the way, I'm going to pick, when I turn my picks in this week, I'm going to pick the Jets to, to, to win that division. I know mm. that's probably not popular. As popular as the Jets are to make the playoffs as a wild card, I'm going to pick them to win. The Jets have problems with their offensive line, particularly the tackle positions, but they, they probably have the NFL's best defense. They're incredible. They're starting 11. They don't have a weakness. You know, the Bills, you worry about their pass rush. They don't have an exact timeline for Von Miller to come back from his ACL reconstruction. Remember, it, the injury happened late last season. Their pass rush is a major concern. It was last season after Miller got hurt. They have two older safeties. They're very good, but they're older. Their offensive line was in question last season. They lack depth at receiver, folks, and they're changing at running back with, uh, with James Cook, Dalvin's younger brother there, uh, Damian Harris to back him up. Guys, this team is kind of a question mark. I, I, I'm going to pick them as a wild card, but I am not going to pick them to win the AFCs for the first time in years. He's Adam Kaplan, our Fox Sports Radio NFL insider. And a week from right now, we'll be saying, what the heck just happened in week That's one? Right. Yeah, wait, wait. This is amazing. Yeah, it's a gr- great, great time of the season for sure. Adam, we appreciate it. Talk to you in week one. All right, guys, thank you. Hit him up at Kaplan NFL. Again, hear him on, uh, right here on Fox Sports Radio, Inside the Birds podcast, and also the Pro Football Network. Let's jump over to the news desk. Monsi Bolaños giving us the latest from the TireRack.com studios. And just in advance for Aaron Torres, the over-under today in easy is one, two, three, four, is seven and a half. That's what the line is at. All right, Monsi, take it away. Guys, DJ Uyunglele is still playing. He's still playing. Come on, guys. Give me a better name here. He is 20 of 25, 239 yards, three touchdowns. Oregon State beating San Jose State 35 to 10, halfway through the fourth quarter. Let's move on to Major League Baseball. The Blue Jays are two games out of the final wildcard spot in the AL, and right now they are tied with the Rockies at five apiece. There was a rain delay. It's the bottom of the seventh inning back in 
action. The A's and the Angels were tied. Not anymore. Oakland has taken the lead. It's 9-4, bottom of the seventh inning. The Dodgers have added another run. They are beating the Braves at home 3-1, and they're about to start the ninth inning. But Matt Olson has homered for the Braves, so he's officially tied with Shohei Otani for the most home runs this season. 44 homers for Matt Olson and Shohei Otani. The Orioles, they scored four runs in the sixth inning and have taken the lead over the Diamondbacks. It's 8-4, bottom of the seventh inning. The Rays and the Guardians are still tied at two apiece, top of the eighth inning, and the Padres are still blanking the Giants. 4-0, top of the ninth inning is about to get going in San Diego. A little NFL news. Chiefs head coach Andy Reid did speak to reporters today, and he said that wide receiver Kadarius Toney, who missed much, uh, much of camp with a lingering knee issue, is good to go for week one against the Lions, but they're still taking it day by day. And Francis Tiafo at the U.S. Open is advancing to the quarterfinals along with Coco Goff and 20-year-old Ben Shelton. Very exciting. Back to you guys. If there's any history with Andy Reid, I would want to stay away from Kadarius Tony in week one of the <laughs> NFL season. He's done with, with Clyde Edwards-Hilaire in years past. Oh, yeah, Clyde's going to be back. And then he doesn't even play the entire game. So I'd stay away from Tony in uh, week one of the NFL season. Motsi, stick around. You are now a lifeline, mm. as is Iowa Sam, as is Brandon Trufa, our executive producer. Aaron Torres, are you ready to be in the hot seat for easy as one, two, three, four? I am a little insulted that the over under seven and a half, but still. Well, there's, <laughs> there's, there's a reason for it. Uh-oh. Let's strike up the band. Let's play it. Your categories today, college football in the NFL. Mm, I've heard and of both of those, yeah. Yes, yes. So it's a football-centric easy as one, two, three, four. If you're just joining us and never heard the game, it's the last one of the season. We don't do this when the NFL games are on. So this is it. This is the swan song. This is the season ender of easy as one, two, three, four. Wow. It'll be a cliffhanger. You should leave the last question and then, like, (laughs) I don't answer it until the first episode. Like, you know, like they used to do on the old TV shows? Like, who shot Mr. Burns? Like, you got to wait another six months to see. Like, like February, like, 20th, we'll, like, reveal the answer (laughs) the week after the Super Bowl. Yeah, I like the way you think. All right. I'm going to give Aaron a topic. Four separate questions. He doesn't have to give me all of the right answers, just some of them. Perfect score of 10 is what we're looking for. Are you ready to go, Aaron? As ready as I'll ever be. You've got three lifelines. I need you to name one of two FBS schools that were shut out yesterday. Two FBS schools didn't score any points in their game. Oh, wow. I need one of the two. Oh, wow. That's, That's why actually... the over-under was, yeah. The, see, you, you mocked the over-under. I didn't mock it. But there's a it. reason why it's seven I and a half. I just have self-confidence. Wow. That is tough off the top. Because I would have said um, a certain school, but you referenced in passing earlier that they uh, they did score. So um, This is what lifelines are for as well. I know. You know? Uh, it, real quick, can we skip this one and go to the next one and then come back to that this is, one? Like, no, that no? is not allowed, unfortunately. Okay, so one of yes. the two schools that got shut out. Yes. Well, I'm going to be a minute because I'm just going to go through because I think I can figure this out, but I need a minute. All right. Well, maybe just may, maybe one of your lifelines knows. The uh, maybe maybe they can help you out. Maybe Iowa Sam. Or, yeah. I will, so we'll, we'll go to Iowa Sam. Iowa Sam. Does man. anybody jump out to you? Well, I know you know UConn's made great strides. Your alma mater, they did not get shut out. They, they should played a very out. competitive game. So let's see. Alabama did not shut out their opponent. Texas A&M didn't shut out their opponent. Michigan didn't shut out their opponent. 
Ohio State didn't. Penn State didn't. I'm just trying to think of the big teams. I don't know if Georgia did, to be honest. I should have probably paid closer attention. Tennessee didn't. Kentucky did. I mean, you go on and on down this the is, list. This is tough because I, I just looked at like all the scores again today. Me too. This morning. Not now. Not now. I play by the rules. <laughs> all so right. It's, it's, it's two FBS teams. Yeah, two FBS schools did Damn. not score a point yesterday. Now, there were oh. games where schools were shut out, but they were FCS schools. Uh, playing against FBS schools, but I don't care about those. There were two schools that did not score any points that were FBS schools. Did, did Oklahoma shut out Arkansas State? Sam, this is why I have you Arkansas State final answer. Great answer, Sam. This is why Show I have me Arkansas final. State. Yes. Ah, Sam, your lifesaver. <laughs> I had to think back in that one. That's why you need those lifelines. I know. I trusted there. everybody. I wanted to save them. Thank you, Sam. Butch Jones brought That's the right. tears on the sidelines. Yes. Me and Jason joked about that last Aww, night. That see, sad. see, it was there for you in the Oakland. It, was, it wasn't it, there. Sam saved me. He was yes. literally a lifeline. Yes, it worked out. The other one, Sam Houston State, now a member of Conference USA. Oh. They were blanked by BYU last night, 14 to nothing. That game was oh, on during my show, and it was awfully boring. I yes, yes, but there was always a zero next to Sam Houston State, and that did not change Great over these 60 minutes of game time. All right, one for one. Let's go to question number two, Aaron Torres. You've got Monty and Brandon still available. Name two of the three FBS schools that play their home games in either domes or in an enclosed stadium. Okay, first one is Syracuse. Um, it's clo- closed or enclosed or a dome stadium or a dome stadium. This is FBS schools only. Yep, three of them play their their home games. What does enclosed mean? What do you mean by that? So basically, you know, domes were the the rage in the seventies and eighties, but now with these newer stadiums, sure, they're not necessarily domes. But so it's like there's a little opening, but not a the, big one. The, the, is there an there's, opening? There's something on top. Yes, there's a roof. There's a roof, but the roof yes. is not necessarily fully closed. The there there's a put it this way the the roof the, is not retractable. Let's put it that way. So I'm gonna go walls s- and sides. Different story. You cannot see the sky. Is you that, can't see the sky at I all. I don't know. <laughs> That's the way I'd put it. Right. Well, because Miami has. The Miami, uh, where they play at Hard Rock Stadium, there's an opening, but it's not a complete open air stadium. That's yeah. why I'm asking a very specific question. Yeah, yeah. Well, Is that, that, would, that would be an open air stadium then. So it's not enclosed. Correct. Okay, so that answers my question. Yes. Then. So uh, first one, oh, I know the answer. Okay, it's Syracuse and then Texas San Antonio. All right, show me Syracuse. All right, yes. Carrier Dome or whatever. Is it still the Carrier Dome or they changed the name? I think it's like the JP Wireless Dome or something. There it is. But we call it the Carrier Dome, let's be honest. Show me UTSA. Yeah. The other one, and this is where it got a little tricky, UNLV. Oh, playing at Allegiant Stadium. That's great. So there's the roof on top, but there you can open the walls and the panels. But still, it's an enclosed. Okay. Do, do you see where I, I know we got to get uh, get back to it? But do you see where I was a little confused with the Miami Stadium? Because there is a roof, but there's like a hole in the roof. Yeah, it's not yeah, a but full it's, it's, dome, but it's not there, a full open air stadium. There's either. a canopy over the stands. Yes. Okay. Yes. Well, no, I, I know it, what so. you're getting at, but as a stadium stickler, yes, you know, yes, stadiums, helmets, and uniforms. Those are your. <laughs> that's the big three in Dan Byers. Aaron place. Torres is three for three. He has two lifelines yet. Uh, will he make it a perfect game? Right now, well on his way to hitting the over. It is Fox Sports Sunday. We complete easy as one, two, three, four. Next, live from the TireRack.com studios on Fox Sports Radio. 
It's Fox. Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Join us March 20th live from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City Featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award-winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. The all-new Infiniti QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted, so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Busy weekends are a breeze with American Express Platinum Card. 8 a.m., wait to board plane in the Centurion Lounge. <sighs> Much better. 2 p.m., grab seats for the game. Come on, pick and roll! 6 p.m., book an exclusive reservation with Resi Global Dining Access. Right this way. Because the American Express Platinum Card offers access to the Centurion Lounge, must-see live events, and exclusive reservations at renowned restaurants. That's the powerful backing of American Express. See how to elevate your experiences at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Terms apply. What's up? I'm John Wall. And I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. Everyone, please welcome Coach John Calipari. We're getting beat by 18. My first game in Kentucky. They're saying, Cal's a bust. He can't coach. This is crazy. John Wall runs down the floor and makes a buzzer beater. Yep. You remember that, John? My first game win I ever made. Remember you said you never seen me do that. Ladies and gentlemen, Demarcus Boogie Cousins. I called Boogie. I'm like, yo, bro, I'm about to commit to Duke. And I hung up on him. <laughs> bro, I'm talking about, do you want to tell me how many times he called me all type of names? Bro, you really sold me out. You doing this. <laughs> <laughs> bro, I was sick. I remember that like yesterday, man. Love you, John Wall. Thanks, Coach. Love you, too. You made me everything I am today. Nah, you made me. You made me. I love it. Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. It wasn't even posted to my my (laughs) Sports Sunday. I'm Dan Beyer. He's Aaron Torres. We're smack dab in the middle of our game of easy as one, two, three, four. Aaron, three for three so far. Perfect game is intact. Two questions to go, both centering on the National Football League as the 2023 campaign will kick off on Thursday. Now, Aaron did use a lifeline. He used Iowa Sam already. So he's got Monsi and he's got Brandon as lifelines. Monsi Bolaños, of course, you know her as our anchor and the new co-host of Fox Sports Saturday. Her and Alex Curry making their debut yesterday at 4 o'clock Eastern time, 1 o'clock Pacific. That's where you can catch them every Saturday here on Fox Sports Radio. And Brandon Trufa, our prize executive producer, are at your disposal, Aaron Torres, if you need help with these last two questions. Are you ready? Now that Monsi's a full-time host, I expect you to know everything there is to know about sports, so no pressure, though. We're good. No, Spell Uli Angelale. Yes. No, I'm kidding. All Can right. she use Alex Curry as a lifeline <laughs> through me, or yeah. how does this work? Okay, I'm just making uh, sure. All right, name three of four Ooh. NFL head coaches that enter the season under the age of 40. Ooh. Under the age of 40. I will say Sean McVay. Wow, they're all so young these days. Okay. Sean McVay. Definitely not Bill Belichick. Hmm. Sean McVay. 
This is an interesting one. They're all so close. Like yes, but I just need three of the four. I know, but they're all like between the ages of like thirty six and forty two. Like every single coach (laughs) in the league. Like Brandon Staley could easily be forty one. You know, Lafleur, Shane Steichen. I think Shane. I'm gonna say Shane Steichen as a definitive number two. So McVay Steichen. I think Lafleur is over thirty. Over forty, excuse me. Motsi, mm-hmm. you're you're the sports expert. Mm-hmm. Do you have any mm-hmm. definitive answers here? Yeah. Zach Taylor. He's definitively mm-hmm. under forty. Okay, so that's three. So we got Zach Taylor. I'm definitely saying Shane Steichen. I am definitely saying Sean McVay. Um, and I'm gonna say Mike McDaniel. I just need three. So oh, you so only need three. Yeah, yeah, only need three. Are, are you more positive on Mike McDaniel, Monty, or are you more positive on Zach Taylor? You're, you felt very confident about Zach, Zach Taylor, 100. percent I actually, okay. the one that you said that I don't know, and you might be right, is Shane Steichen. I think I saw that he's 38 and I'm 38, and it kind of okay. was a moment of reflection okay. of like, what am I doing one. with my life? But Our, I'll, I'll I'll stay with those three. If okay. I get it wrong, that one's on me. If it's Steichen, so go ahead. I know we're up against. Time. Show me Sean McVay. There he is. Yes, 37 years old. Show me Shane Steichen. It's a tongue twister. It is. 38 years old, and to keep it alive, is it Zach Taylor? Oh, Zach Taylor turned 40 on May 10th. This is what I was worried about, I'm sorry. I really thought he was like 38. Should have gone Brandon Staley. Oh, Brandon Staley's Staley's 40. Yeah, he's so Mike McDaniel's 40, so is uh, Brandon okay. Staley. So we wouldn't have gotten we that. Wouldn't so have gotten oh, okay, okay. I feel yes. like my bad. It, I really Domingo thought According to Monty, you need to learn some ages. I do. I <laughs> do. Domingo Ryan's is 39. Oh, yep. And Kevin O'Connell is 38. Oh, I Kevin guess. O'Connell, I would not oh, have wow. guessed that one. Yes. But you see what I mean? They're all right around 40. But yeah. anyway, yeah. I know we got another question. So. Yeah. Final one, and Brandon's your lifeline. Name four of five NFL teams with an over-under win total of exact Exactly eight and a half, according to BetMGM. Oh, God, four or five. So mid-teams is kind yeah. of what you're looking for. They're very mid, as the kids say. Um, I'll probably say the Steelers. Brandon, you could just jump in. I got the lifeline. I'm going to say the Steelers, the Giants. Dolphins? Dolphins is probably right. <sighs> Maybe Pittsburgh Steelers. I said Steelers. Yeah, thanks for paying attention. Okay. okay. Steelers, Giants, Dolphins. Steelers. Maybe just... the Steelers. <laughs> All right. Um, Show me the Steelers. <laughs> yeah. Seahawks. Show me the Seahawks. There you got yes. two. Is it the Giants? No. Is it the Dolphins? No. Steelers, Seahawks, Falcons, Vikings, and Broncos were all accepted. I was going to say Broncos. Seven still a good score. Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com. And within the iHeartRadio app, search FSR to listen live. Welcome in, everybody. Fox Sports Sunday. Dan Beyer, I am Aaron Torres. Hey, hey. Oh, hey, Dan. What's up, buddy? Hey. Hey. My bad. It's okay. My bad. Well, hey. Lorena's on the board there. She she thought she pushed the red button instead of the green one, and all of a sudden, uh, fire alarms are going off in here and everything. We are testing Lorena. That's all. The, that's that all was that a good test. Doing. You tested me too. You scared me. 
<laughs> thought something had happened. That is my apologies. Uh, oh, man. Maybe That's what we do, you know, try to keep everybody on their toes, you okay. know, on this Labor Day. Okay. So. Well, I was on my toes. I was ready to go. Did you hear me? I jumped right in. I did. You did a, you did a fantastic job. It's just I, I just have to tell everybody that we're broadcasting live from the TireRack.com studios. TireRack.com will help you get there. An unmatched selection, fast, free shipping, free road hazard protection, and over 10,000 recommended installers. TireRack.com, the way tire buying should be. You know what's crazy, Aaron? We're actually talking Heisman in week one. <laughs> sure. I actually think we talked about it in week zero because of Caleb Williams playing with USC. But we have a promo, and for those that listen on the app, may hear, you know, Colin Cowherd made a, kind of a, a flipping comment, like, who's talking about Heisman in, in week three? And I legitimately think that it's a, it's a good point. Like, is, is it a real conversation that early in the season? But I think with what has transpired with what Colorado did on Saturday, I think with what Caleb Williams represents for USC, that this conversation now actually is one that we are going to start to talk about week in and week out. It's another one of the the many things that came from the Colorado TCU game yesterday was that now you're sitting there saying, if Travis Hunter can do this or if Shador Sanders can keep this up, it's a team that's going to be in the headlines. They're going to be playing games where 40 points, 50 points may be the norm. I actually think that the Heisman Trophy will be a conversation that we get throughout this entire college football season. Well, part of it was because Deion Sanders literally brought it up in the postgame press conference. Like, <laughs> yes. among, halftime at halftime. Yes, he did too. He did too. The Heisman would be chilling at Travis Hunter's place. It's like, yeah, I, I, I guess you're probably right. Um, but yeah, so I, I think that was part of it too is like, you know, and, and it's funny and it speaks to what we spoke about in hour one of like, Dion, part first of all, Dion says the 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 stuff that you're supposed to not say, but he says it out loud. But he also very much like the way that we as fans are like, well, I would have Sam Hartman at this point. I'd have Caleb Williams. He's like, why aren't you talking about our guys? And it's because people in our space are hesitant to talk about stuff like this because of the fact that you you sound like you know you sound like that dude that no sports talk radio host wants to be the guy talking about Heisman in week one. But I think part of why we're talking about it is is one we've had, we've had some excellent excellent performances. And I, don't, I you know everyone say oh it's week one whatever, but I don't know if it's just because we have a bunch of very old quarterbacks coming back to college football. Michael Penix was awesome yesterday. Sam Hartman last week. Uh, obviously Caleb Williams in his third year as a starter at the high major level. Um, I don't know why. But it feels like we have a lot of really good quarterback performances early, plus what Colorado did. It is a conversation. We can pretend like we shouldn't be having it, but it's fun. It's loose. It's whatever. And I definitely do think that that it feels like it feels weirdly more justified uh, this year right now than it has at any point this early in the season. I think the foolish talking about it is because when you talk too early, talk about it too early in the season. There's just not enough on a resume to truly say that someone is a Heisman Trophy winner. And sometimes people fall victim of of having the Heisman hype around them and having the hype around them early. But I do think having a guy, and it's not unheard of. Heck, we had it, you know, with Bryce Young, you know, last season. Like, we've had guys win the Heisman and return to school before. So that's nothing different with Caleb Williams doing that with USC. I do think that 
where USC is, we expect Caleb Williams to put up numbers. And honestly, he was outside of Notre Dame playing the game in, in Dublin against Navy in week one and, and Sam Hartman's performance there. Caleb Williams was really the only reason that we cared about week zero on a national landscape. And half of that was also because we couldn't see him because he was playing on the <laughs> Pac-12 network. But it's it's we're from the get-go, we're talking about Caleb Williams, who is also, by the way, projected to be the number one overall pick in the draft. That adds a lot to it. But what I think happened yesterday, and it's not so much about maybe Drake May being a candidate this year and now following him throughout the whole season instead of maybe just you know coming along for the ride. In a weird way, I think that Travis Hunter and what he did yesterday with Colorado off of a summer where we just had nonstop talk about Shohei Otani, like I, it's as crazy as it is, I think now we have a real true two-way player in college football. Like, how many eyes is that going to draw? Like, all of the eyes that we had on Colorado were Dion, primetime, Dion, primetime, Dion, primetime. Now you see what he did on the field yesterday, what Shador Sanders did on the field yesterday. Now you're talking about some of the, the Colorado players, and we couldn't stop talking about Shohei Otani this summer with the Angels, whether traded or what he was doing on the field. I actually think that there's a weird correlation because Travis Hunter is doing something that nobody else is doing in college football. That now makes the Heisman a conversation starting in week one. A thousand percent. And I think the other thing, too, is and I said this on my show last night is like Travis Hunter was essentially he was a concept to everybody. Everybody knew the name. Everybody knew the story. But let's be honest, most even diehard college football fans had probably never seen him play. Um, Jackson State just isn't on the radar. You kind of had to find their games. I think they had one game on ABC late in the year, the Celebration Bowl, but whatever. I bring it up to say, like, so we knew the name, we knew the narrative, but it was always just, oh, he was the guy that flipped on Florida State and went to Jackson State, and, you know, it was the big, you know, the HBCU conversation, the Dion conversation, the whatever, but we had never seen him play. So for him, for yesterday to essentially be his national coming out party from the perspective of just, oh, we're actually going to watch him play, and then for him to play as well as he did, one, I think it was it was eye-opening, and two, it is something that we have never seen. If he was just the number one player in America that was an elite cover corner and had three interceptions, we might sit there and say, wow, that was incredible. Could a, could a defensive player win the Heisman? But the fact that he was on the field making plays on both sides of the ball, that that I think is part of it as well. Is it One, it doesn't feel stupid because I think based on what Shador Sanders did and based on what Travis Hunter did yesterday, on top of Michael Penix and Caleb Williams and all the guys that we expected to be in the conversation, they're guys that feel like they can be in the conversation all year, whether they will be or not. But then, two, the unique nature of what Travis Hunter did, as you just said, I agree 100%. I don't know if it makes it more worthwhile, but it's just something different and interesting to talk about in the same way that Shohei Otani was throughout the summer. Yeah, and they're always going to be the conversation. Like, if, if they would have gotten off to an 0-4 start to the season and he was doing what he was doing, maybe we would say it was a nice story. But now yep. you get a road win against a ranked team. And again, we don't know how good TCU is, but that does really help your cause. For the second straight week in a row, they're going to be the main draw. I mean, it, it, with... You know, big noon kickoff, Nebraska and Colorado next week, huge game. That brings you in. Like, it's Bryce Young 
we knew it was going to be a top pick. And some thought, all right, he probably going to be the first overall quarterback. But it wasn't uh, it wasn't the no-brainer that Caleb Williams is. And I think that Caleb Williams is also looked at as like that almost generational quarterback, not every 25 years, but maybe every 10 years, the guy that you got to have in the NFL draft. That's what I think Caleb Williams is right now. And that helps him when it comes to college football because even NFL fans of the like know him. They know USC. Drake may may have a little bit more difficult time because maybe North Carolina is not on the forefront of of things. Blake Corum, Michigan, for as great as they are, is going to rack up you know great numbers. Maybe not as flashy as it could be, but to draw the attention where Caleb Williams is taking advantage of the NFL prospects, I think, and his previous Heisman Trophy win, all of the Dion stuff actually can help Travis Hunter because they are going to be in that spotlight. And now they can actually be, you know, looked at as a threat where his contributions are contributing to winning football. And I think that changes, you know, changes everything. And and I didn't think he would be on the scope of what he did yesterday. I, I wasn't sure. You even asked me on Friday what I thought the game was going to be. And I said, honestly, I have no idea. I have no that. idea how it's going to play out. I can't even make a, a, a prediction. And it's the same thing with that. And then when you actually see it and then the attempts that he did it in. Yeah, I think I think it now becomes a conversation. I think it's great for college football to have that. But we are going to be talking about college football. And I'll tell you what, it's great to be talking about individuals and not just teams or head coaches because you don't always get that in the college game. No, 100%. And I think the other point, too, with the Travis Hunter thing specifically is – because of who his coach is, they're going to stay in the headlines. Now, the schedule does kind of soften up after the first month. They still have Nebraska at Oregon and USC at home just this month. Then after that, it does soften up a little bit where you get the Arizona States, you get the Stanfords. Maybe the games won't feel as high profile. But I just bring it up because, as as we saw yesterday, win or lose, Dion is going to keep that team in the headlines. And so, in turn, Travis Hunter is going to be in the headlines. Um the one thing I will say is I do think it's it is fair to ask, and I saw a lot of people say it is if the opponents are 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 not a, a team that's ranked in the top twenty. If you get a Colorado State, if you get a Stanford later in the year, do you do you scale him back? I, I don't, you know, I don't. Obviously, I have no insight into what's going on in that building, but I don't get the sense that you know, he's on some sort of pitch counter that Deion Sanders is going to scale this thing back uh, once the season once the season gets deeper into the season and it was only because it was TCU and he needed him on the field. I get the sense that he does plan, that this is kind of the plan. And then maybe if he wears down, he, you know, whatever, week five, week six, week seven, then you keep him on one side of the ball and maybe limit the snaps on the other. But that is one thing about this is that I've seen a lot of the, well, you know, I mean, he's obviously not going to do this for 12 games and it's like, I mean, I don't know if it's possible to do it for right. 12 games. I, I, I don't, but I, I haven't gotten any indication from listening to Dion talk about him, listening to Travis Hunter talk about himself, that this is like a, hey, breaking case of emergency, you're only playing wide receiver if we're playing a top 10, top 20 type team. You know what it leads me to think is the conversation that you're inevitably going to hear if he does keep those plays up. Is Deion Sanders? I'm being you know yes. facetious, but I'm not. You know exactly. You know exactly where I'm going with this, don't you? Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Is like is Deion Sanders using Travis Hunter too much? Yes. You know that that's like is this going to hurt his his career? But you know, and and I think I I I think that's that's foolish. I think the point that you bring up is a very fair point, and it's 
the one thing that I would say with that is if there are non-marquee games that he's the one that he scales back or games that maybe Colorado feels that they can win, or, you know, without a, a full performance, it still means he's playing in those marquee games, and those are worth like three times as much. Oh, you know, yeah. If Jaden Daniels goes out and balls out tonight for LSU, like he's in the conversation as well. And you know LSU is going to have even more games like they have tonight where he will be in that conversation. Look at Sam Hartman last week. If they're playing Navy in week seven, nobody is paying attention to that game. But it was week zero. Sure. It was the only Great game. Point. And so it just so now we're like, oh, wow, that Sam Hartman guy's – well, he threw like 38 touchdowns last year. He was good last year too. But now he's at Notre Dame. That was a standalone game. And obviously, in the case of Sam Hartman, he's going to have more high-profile games than that. But I do think all that stuff matters. Um, and yeah, the, the, by the way, one last thing, because it was funny you mentioned the whole conversation about, you know, is Dion misusing him or overusing him? You know what's great about that, Dan? It's Dion, and if somebody asked him that, he's just going to tell him to his face that he doesn't know what he's talking about. If, if, it's, a, if it's a reporter that says, like, oh, do you think that you're overusing Travis Hunter – Dion's going to have some smart answer, and he is not going to take crap from somebody, as we learned yesterday. And that, and I'll say, like, that's why I love Dion. He, t- like, you can like him, you can dislike him. He tells you exactly how it is all the time. You can go back, certainly before this, but go back to the the introductory meeting with the team where he said, "I'm bringing my own luggage. It's Louis." Like, basically, most of you guys got to get out of here. He's going to tell you exactly how he feels. And so if somebody does, if if that article is written, and it will be of, you know, what about Travis Hunter's future and are they using him too much? Oh, Dion, if somebody doesn't ask him about it, he won't be afraid to bring it up at a press conference himself. Here's the other great thing about it. What person would know the most about playing multiple positions or doing multiple things? Charles Woodson. No, I'm kidding. Dion Sanders. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Like if anybody knows... What it's like. And don't get me started on Charles Woodson. What, what a phony that stuff was. No, uh, he, he's not a phony. We're just saying, you know, the offensive stuff. They'd run like five plays for him. That's all they would do. I mean, I, I know it's revisionist history. Point being, Dion, Dion would be the one to know. The guy who played in an NFL and a Major League Baseball game in the same day, like, would understand what it's all about. So th- there really isn't anything that you can – you know, like what's what's your comeback? You know, like he's the guy who's experienced it and would know it the most on what it's like doing. Did it at the highest level, and yeah. So I think that's you're you're absolutely right. I think you're misusing Travis Hunter. I think I played in a major league. I think I played in an NFL game and then went straight to the World Series. Next question. Thank you. Uh, yeah, it's true. It's right. But I, I think that that will pop up. But he is now he is fully in the conversation. There was just again, there was so much that came from that game yesterday. Oh, like yeah. how, you know, just how great, you know, was it and, and, and good for them. And, you know, poor TCU's got to deal with, I mean, as, as if, uh, you know, the second week in January wasn't bad enough for them. <laughs> now, now they got to deal with this and, uh, and what uh, Colorado did, you know, did to them. I mean, man, it's uh you were good living up until that big 12 title game. And now it's like, now everything has come due for TCU, but uh, yeah, Heiser's going to be talked about. Yeah. Sam, as you mentioned, Sam Hartman's got an opportunity on september 23rd against ohio state to make another statement then guess what he against caleb williams in mid-october so there there are going to be opportunities but this is i think the heisman now with some of these stars that we've seen in college football and what they can do now become a topic of conversation he's aaron torres i'm dan Bayer. it is fox sports sunday hit aaron up at aaron underscore torres you can find me on twitter.com at dan Bayer on fox coming up next 
Is it better to maybe be the big fish in a small pond? We'll debate that with a couple of schools next here on Fox Sports Sunday. Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Join us March 20th live from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City Featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award-winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. The all-new Infiniti QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted, so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. An epic matchup between your two favorite teams, and you're at the game getting the most from what it means to be here with American Express. You breeze through the card member entrance, stop by the lounge. Now it's almost tip-off, and everyone's already on their feet. This is going to be good. That's the powerful backing of American Express. See how to elevate your live sports experience at AmericanExpress.com slash with Amex. Eligible American Express card required. Benefits vary by card and by venue. Terms apply. What's up? I'm John Wall. And I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. Everyone, please welcome Coach John Calipari. We're getting beat by 18. My first game in Kentucky. They're saying cows are bust. You can't coach. This is crazy. John Wall runs down the floor and makes a buzzer beater. Yep. You remember that, John? That's my first game win I ever made. Remember you said you never seen me do that. Ladies and gentlemen, DeMarcus Boogie Cousins. I called Boogie. I'm like, yo, bro, I'm about to commit to Duke. And I hung up on him. <laughs> bro, I'm talking about, do you want to tell me how many times he called me all type of names? Bro, you really sold me out. You doing this. <laughs> <laughs> bro, I was sick. I remember that like yesterday, man. Love you, John Wall. Thanks, Coach. Love you, too. You made me everything I am today. Nah, you made me. You made me. I love it. Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. It wasn't even supposed to be That's my, my game. <laughs> Fox Sports Sunday. He's Aaron Torres. I'm Dan Beyer. As Aaron pointed out earlier, as we're live from the TireRack.com studios, what a weekend for the Pac-12. I mean, it's it's a rough go. And I, I feel like when I say it's a rough go, Aaron, it's an understatement because the league's probably not going to exist 12 months from now. Um, maybe maybe the name's still there and everybody just moves over, whatever the case is. But um, rough go is an understatement. But as you pointed out, you know, they were they were a win away from Oregon State uh, of going unbeaten and Oregon State took care of business today. So a perfect week one for the Pac-12, but again, likely on its way out. And and I, I'm curious because you and I, we touched on this when we were together on Friday and for Covino and Rich because Stanford, Cal and SMU are on their way to the uh, to the ACC. We talked a bunch about that, but we didn't talk about Washington State. We didn't talk about Oregon State and they obviously have been left out and they're the ones that I think so many people are cheering for and and pulling for this season but I just wondered and seeing what Wazoo did to Colorado State yesterday and seeing what Oregon State did to San Jose State today I I know that it 
may not be fair on those two examples, but maybe it wouldn't be the worst thing in the world for those two schools. In terms of, if you're looking at 12-team playoff, how the playoff is going to set up, who's going to get the automatic bids. If there is an automatic bid coming from whatever the Pac-12 or the Mountain West Conference is, you've now kind of gone from smaller fishes in a, in a big bowl to a big fish into a smaller bowl, which may help Washington State or Oregon State. Well, and, and I think what, what it really comes down to is what does the future of the college football playoff look like? Because that was the one thing that, um, you know, when, when there were reports of, of all these schools trying to, uh, you know, some schools trying to hold the Pac-12 together, some some trying to leave, that was the big narrative was that I think it, it, Utah was really the one that kind of kept t- saying to everybody, guys, I get we get that it's less money, and obviously Utah's the two-time champ, but we're going to make it back because one of our teams is going to make the college football playoff every single year. The, the way that it was set up is set up for the first two years, 12 teams, six automatic bids. And so you start factoring in the extra money that's coming in from that as opposed to being in Oregon and Washington going to the Big Ten where where you know some would disagree but, but probably going to start behind the eight ball behind uh, Michigan, Ohio State, USC, maybe even Penn State, Wisconsin, depending. So the point I'm trying to make is that I, I think for those two schools, if you can keep some semblance of of a lot, uh, you know, five to six automatic bids into that college football playoff, the Mountain West is probably going to end up being the best non quote unquote power conference. And if you're Oregon State and you win that league, that means that you are going to compete uh, and make the college football playoff every single year. And who knows, maybe in the right year, you might host a playoff game in round one. So um, you feel bad for those schools, but I'm with you, Dan, is that uh, it's it's a bad situation. There's no, I'm not going to try to sugarcoat it, pretend like, like it isn't, but there is a silver lining depending on what the playoff structure looks like. Now it comes down to what does that playoff structure look like going forward? Yeah, you do. You wonder, and, and I know it's not just a football conversation when you're talking about schools moving leagues, like you know, you because all of the sports end up being the conversation, even though it's basically about football, something that that we've talked about a bunch here. But just on that level, yeah, I see a path. Even if it is, even if it's a scenario, Aaron, where they're like, okay, well, let's take the four, you know. If there's a a major four now because, you know, the Pac-12 dropping out and depending how it, you know, weighs in against the AAC or Conference USA or Sunbelt, to your point, yeah, the Mountain West may be stronger of all of them and end up, whether it be five conference champions and, you know, seven at-large bids or however it just ends up working out, that could be a a path for them. And I just – the it became clear to me – when you just saw the outcomes of those scores because, oh, look, Washington State did that to Colorado State and Oregon State did that to San Jose State. Now, they may not do that to Boise State. They may not do that, you know, to San Diego State, but it could be an opportunity for them to succeed where they've been trying to break through. I mean, you know, or Oregon State in the Rose Bowl, you know, like that's hasn't happened you know you know or hasn't happened for a long long time Washington State has been able to make it to a you know a couple of Rose Bowls here and there but it wasn't an annual sort of deal so to break through to be able to at least be on top of the conference and as I'm saying this Aaron I know like I I, it's it's not the ultimate goal but sometimes maybe it 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 
there are different advantages. I'm not saying it's better. I'm not saying it's worse. Different advantages in being in one spot than maybe being eighth or ninth or tenth in another spot. Yeah, no, I, I don't think you're wrong at all because I, I remember even going back to when Oklahoma and Texas left the Big 12 for the SEC, and I said, and once they announced that they were expanding the playoff, even even before that, I said, you know, really, really with the 12 team playoff, I said, if you go 10 years into the future. Who do you think is going to end up with more playoff appearances? Oklahoma out of the SEC or Oklahoma State, which is probably best positioned in the Big 12 to yeah. be the, the – the like they could turn into a power in that league. Will they? We don't know. But I bring it up because it's kind of the same with Oregon State and Oregon. Is is Listen, as long as we don't go uh, all at-large bids, in other words, the 12 top teams – there's probably going to be about three spots for uh, the Big Ten in that expanded college football playoff. Well, with respect to Oregon, how many years are they definitively going to finish in the top three? Now, I don't think it's zero. I don't think that they'll never finish in the top three. But you mean to tell me that there are going to be years that they are better than uh, you know Ohio State, Michigan, USC, Penn State all in the same year? Yeah, it's probably going to happen once every couple years. But it's not set up for them the way that it is for, say, Oregon State. Again, if there's an automatic bid out of that league. So these are just things that, again, you know, I, I know you said it's all about football, but it's it's also all about the money. And and I remember talking to you about this when the Oregon and Washington stuff happened. I, I don't blame any school for doing what they feel is best for the uh, to protect the future of their athletic department. But I do think that there are unintended positives and unintended negatives with all this. And you look at maybe the unintended positives for an Oklahoma State, uh, for uh, uh, Oregon State, where if now the pathway isn't as tough, there aren't as many obstacles in the way, and there are 12 teams getting in, you could see schools like that get in more often. Do you think Washington State should continue to play Washington in the Apple Cup after this break is made? So... I saw so to backtrack. Oklahoma State has just been like we're not playing Oklahoma. Yep. Um, I think that that they should, um, especially because Washington and Oregon have publicly said the right thing of we want to keep these games going because it might be the biggest game on their schedule every. And by the way, if if they go to the Mountain West, which isn't deemed a power conference team, it means that at least once every other year you're getting a power conference yeah. school to come to. Listen, I was on air last night when Texas Tech lost to Wyoming at Wyoming, and me and DeSager and Jason Martin were saying, if you're Texas Tech, why would you ever go to play at Wyoming? Well, if you keep the rivalry going, Washington is going to go to Washington State. They're going to go to Pullman once every two years. Same with Oregon and Oregon State. So I would absolutely, um, I'm not a fan of any of those schools, and maybe the blood is too bad where none of them are interested, but I would. What about you? Yeah, 100%. I, I'm with you. I I know it stinks. I know it feels like you're appeasing those schools that say, yeah, we want to keep it going. And I also think that Washington and Oregon are saying that because they want to sound like they're, uh, they're, you know, good institutions. But I think that there are, there are, there is value to an Oregon State taking on Oregon, you know, in a Civil War matchup or, you know, the Apple Cup. Like I find from everything that you said, and that, that's kind of why I brought it up as well, because that, you know, and there's another, there's another marquee game that, that you, bring to your schedule as you said every other year to your stadium and and 
if it gets to the point because of recruiting or however it works where maybe you can't keep up, then maybe that's a bad look down the line to end the series if, you know, Washington wins 12 in a row, I'm just saying hypothetically. But I don't I don't think that 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 happens. I think that there's I think I think there's a lot to gain. I know there's a lot of hurt and a lot of scorn with everything that has gone on. But it isn't the end of the world, and I think that those two schools can maybe find different ways out. It's not going to be the same, you know, definitely not. But hopefully they can find value in what they could move forward. And I think continuing with those traditions would really add value. And, and in defense of Oklahoma State, because of the league that they've remained in, it is a little bit more high-profile. So maybe they aren't as willing to do it, but I, I think it would do, uh, you know – a, a huge, huge measure for Washington State and Oregon State to continue to play their rivals. Well, last thought is that, you know, <laughs> as we get into a 12-team playoff era, what are we going to be talking about more and more? It's going to be uh, what we do with the NCAA tournament, which is resume. And mm-hmm. I guess if you're Oregon State or Washington State, you know, you're probably going to have to win your conference to get into to the 12-team playoff. But, you know, having a win over a Power 5, you know, a, a, a Big Ten school in Washington and Oregon um, – you know, it, it certainly won't hurt. You got to do your part and and put a good team on the field. Which, by the way, both those teams should be pretty good this year, and we'll see what happens going forward. But I just bring it up because I mean that could be a resume building win, and especially keeping keep this in mind too is that I I don't know this for sure, but I do think there's a possibility that because it's now quote unquote an out of conference game. Um, that they'll want to play it earlier in the year rather than necessarily playing it on that final weekend of the regular season. So now you're Washington State, you beat Washington. That could be a a win that stays on your resume all year that validates you throughout the year. So I think there's a lot more positives to continuing the rivalry than negatives. Again, I'm not a Washington State or Oregon State fan, but uh, but I would absolutely continue it. I I I love Bedlam. But I, I get where Oklahoma State's coming from, not only for being scorned, but again, now they're in a league where there is no win that is, you know, taken for granted, if you will. When you have now Colorado, Utah, Arizona, and Arizona State coming into your league, whatever that schedule is going to be, it is going to be formidable. Maybe a little different case with the sort of schedule that you get in the Mountain West, and that's maybe why Washington State and Oregon State would benefit from it. He's Aaron Torres. I'm Dan Byer. All right, there's a game about to kick off from Orlando. That and so much more. Monty Bolaños is here to give us the latest. That's right. Hasn't started just yet, but number five LSU and number eight Florida State going at it. Any minute now, you should be able to catch this game. But number 18 Oregon State did beat San Jose State 42 to 17. DJ Uyungalele. How'd that go? How'd that? No? No? I say Uyungalele. Uyungalele. Yep. I'm, I'm missing an L in there is what you're telling me. That's yeah. <laughs> what it sounds the, like. The four you had is not enough. Yes. The, one, the one I had is, yeah, I need to add another <laughs> L in there. Uh, he was 20 of 25 for 239 yards, three touchdowns in the air, no interceptions. He also rushed for two touchdowns, so not a bad outing. Moving on to Major League Baseball. One game currently going on. It's the Yankees and the Astros. Houston has scored first. It's 1-0, bottom of the second inning. Earlier today, Pete Alonso hit home runs number 40 and 41, reached 100 RBIs, and the Mets beat the Mariners 
three. Seattle has a half a game lead on the Astros and then a one game lead on the Rangers for the top spot in the AL West. The Rangers, they walked it off against the Twins thanks to Adolis Garcia. 6-5 was the final score. The Dodgers avoided the sweep, thankfully beating the Braves 3-1. Matt Olson homered for Atlanta. Tying Shohei Otani for the MLB lead with 44 homers. Then Baltimore, they scored four runs in the sixth inning and the Orioles beat the Diamondbacks 8-5. The Padres blanked the Giants 4-0. The Marlins scored two runs in the ninth inning and held on to beat the Nationals 6-4. Luis Arraez goes 2-4, for four, continues to have the best batting average at 356. The Marlins, the Giants, the Diamondbacks, and the Reds are all tied right now for the final wildcard spot in the National League after the Reds lost to the Cubs 15-7. It's getting down to the wire, and I love it. The Blue Jays defeated the Rockies 7-5. Toronto is still two games out of the final wildcard spot in the AL, and the Phillies, they ended up topping the Brewers 4-2. They came back from behind. At the U.S. Open, Coco Goff advances to the quarterfinals for the second straight year. She became the first American teenager since Serena Williams more than two decades ago to reach the quarterfinals. Finals. And Francis Tiafo also advancing to the quarterfinals along with Ben Shelton. In the NFL earlier today, it was reported that the Cowboys and right tackle Terrence Steele have agreed on a five-year $86.8 million contract extension with $50 million guaranteed. Make that paper. As for Chris Jones and the Kansas City Chiefs, apparently the two remain far apart on a deal. He continues his holdout four days before the season be- before the season begins because the Chiefs will be facing the Lions on Thursday. And at the FIBA World Cup, Team USA lost to Lithuania 110-104. The U.S. finishes second in group play. They will face Italy in the quarterfinals on Tuesday. It's been fun, guys. Back to you. Thanks, Monsi. Yeah, and again, for jinx. those that may <laughs> for those that may not know, Monsi and Alex Curry debuted their brand new Fox Sports Saturday show, four o'clock Eastern time, one o'clock Pacific. You can catch it next week as well, every Saturday. Mark get down, yeah. Alex and Monsi here on Fox Sports Radio. He's Aaron Torres. I'm Dan Bayer. I felt like we've talked about every team in the top twenty-five except Texas A&M. I don't know. Like, like I felt like we've hit, you know, we've done Big Ten. We've talked Pac-12. We've done uh, ACC talk. Texas A&M got a win last night against New Mexico. That wasn't a surprise, but it did pique your interest a little bit, Aaron. Yeah, long story short, um, you don't want to make too much of it, but like, so I think everybody knows, but Jimbo Fisher, they were a disaster last year. Many blamed his play calling on it, and he was basically peer pressured into hiring an offensive coordinator this year. Why that's interesting is that the offensive coordinator that he happened to hire, Bobby Petrino, former Atlanta Falcons coach, Arkansas, Louisville, etc. And why I bring it up, in the college football world, it has been a nonstop conversation of these are two, you know, uh, egotistical men How will they get along? What will happen if it goes bad? How bad can it get? What will happen if it goes bad? And last night kind of proved like, what if it doesn't go bad? What if Jimbo, and he said it all offseason, is that he he is hitting the play calling to Bobby Petrino. He is a CEO-type coach. He's going to be hands-off and focus on recruiting, boosters, NIL, stuff like that. Uh, He's not going to be calling plays. Like, what if it goes right? Well, what we saw last night was 52 points against New Mexico. Now, it's New Mexico. We get it. There's a lot of tough games on the schedule starting at Miami next week. But this was a team that didn't score 40 in a single game all of last year, including against some FCS teams, against UMass, etc. So to put up 52 in the debut, 
I think is worth at least a, you know, mark, you know, put a check mark next to that and monitor it because we've all talked about the scenario what happens if it doesn't work and I don't think enough people are talking about Bobby Petrino is a great offensive mind. He is going to have plenty of talent at his disposal and for at least one night last night it looked really good. And they uh, they took it to the Lobos, who were wearing a, a red helmet last night. I don't know if I'm just used to their silver, but it was just it was very off putting to me. I don't know. I was just it was a weird look, uh, may, and maybe they've worn it in the past, and I'm just only used to the to the silver look. But uh, at least that's what happened last night. I will I will say this: I know Jimbo Fisher catches a lot of heat, and sometimes brought on by himself. But there is a national championship. I know it was a decade ago. Um, I, I feel sometimes we don't appreciate the accomplishments For sure. of Jimbo Fisher. I'd even, I'd even say that, you know what, like, you know, when Mac Brown stepped away and then, then came back and has done a great job at North Carolina, like, you know, to win a national title is not easy to do. And when you see the success, I'm not saying Mac Brown gets disrespected. I don't think that he does. But we just kind of forget about these things or just pass them along and we think like it's anything. And and Jimbo's, again, been in hot water, comments that he's made, stuff that he's, you know, done, whatever. It could be all self-inflicted. But as well, there aren't many people on this earth that can say that they won a national championship as a well, college and, football coach. And the other last thing, and I know we got to get to it, but like is is they they have been good at Texas. They were really bad last year. But remember, the, the COVID year. They finished fifth. They they mm-hmm. were the fifth team in the final rankings, and there was a debate going into the final day. Should it be them? Should it be Notre Dame? That was the year Ohio State only played a few games because of COVID. Like, they could have made the playoff that year. And so I think prior to last year, they had won at least eight games every year. I think nine games, three out of four years before last year. So, yeah, last year was a disaster. Yeah, you make $9 million a year. Nobody feels sorry for you, but I think to paint it with this broad brush that the whole era has been a disaster is just completely factually incorrect. He's Aaron Torres. I'm Dan Beyer. This is Fox Sports Sunday getting ready for LSU and Florida State about to kick off in Orlando. We'll talk a little bit about those schools plus the progressive play of the day. It's all next live from the TireRack.com studios here on Fox Sports Radio. That was our Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Join us March 20th live from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City, featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award-winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. The all-new Infiniti QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted, so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Busy weekends are a breeze with American Express Platinum Card. 8 a.m., wait to board plane in the Centurion Lounge. (sighs) Much better. 2 p.m., grab seats for the game. 
6 p.m., book an exclusive reservation with Resi Global Dining Access. Right this way. Because the American Express Platinum Card offers access to the Centurion Lounge, must-see live events, and exclusive reservations at renowned restaurants. That's the powerful backing of American Express. See how to elevate your experiences at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Terms apply. What's up? I'm John Wall. And I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. Everyone, please welcome Coach John Calipari. We're getting beat by 18. My first game in Kentucky. They're saying, Cal's a bust. He can't coach. This is crazy. John Wall runs down the floor and makes a buzzer beater. Yep. You remember that, John? That's my first game win I ever made. Remember you said you never seen me do that. Ladies and gentlemen, DeMarcus Boogie Cousins. I called Boogie. I'm like, yo, bro, I'm about to commit to Duke. And I hung up on him. <laughs> Bro, I'm talking about, do you want to tell me how many times he called me all type of names? Bro, you really sold me out. You doing this. <laughs> <laughs> Bro, I was sick. I remember that like yesterday, man. Love you, John Wall. Thanks, Coach. Love you, too. You made me everything I am today. Nah, you made me. You made me. I love it. Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. It wasn't even supposed to be That's my day. That's my Progressive play of the day here on Fox Sports Radio. He's Aaron Torres. I'm Dan Beyer. The progressive play of the day brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Progressive makes bundling easy and affordable. Get a multi-policy discount by combining your motorcycle, RV, boat, ATV, and more. All of your protection in one place. Bundle and save at Progressive.com. Highlight there, courtesy of Mike Parker from Learfield. As it appears LSU has... Oh, they did not get into the end zone. Almost a score in Orlando, but LSU knocking on the door, facing a fourth and goal from the two-yard line. It is Fox Sports Sunday. It's one of our final games of the first week in college football. Another one tomorrow, Clemson taking on Duke. But here you have two top ten schools, Aaron. Uh, national championship aspirations for the squad. They played a wild one last season in New Orleans. Uh, LSU may be looking for some revenge, but uh, yeah, the the game of the week of matchup-wise on paper happening right now. I know Colorado and TCU turned into that, but matchup-wise, this is the best one we have all week. Zero doubt. By the way, Florida State making a little bit of a statement right now. So uh, LSU had it on the goal line. They had back-to-back consecutive stops, get a nonsense uh, roughing the passer call uh, against Florida State. They get a new set of downs. Florida State has made three straight stops, so uh, LSU calls the timeout. They're trying to figure out, are they going to kick a field goal? Are they going to go for it to send their own statement early? But you get a goal line stand here, even if you hold them to three here, uh, heck of a heck of a statement. But man, I, I'll tell you, man, I, listen. Yesterday was great, but but this game feels big, feels college football. The last thing too, Dan, a couple things. One, as these conferences consolidate, there's just not going to be as many opportunities for big time out of conference matchups, and then also. You know, this is the last year of the fourteen playoff. Next year, if uh, next year if these two teams play in week one, one of them loses. It's just on to the next one. You know, Bill Belichick, we're on to grambling. You like this one, whoever loses is going to be behind the eight ball for the rest of the year. Yes, there there is extreme value in that. That's why earlier when you were talking about uh, you guys were talking last night about why would Texas Tech uh, go to Wyoming? It's a true true fact, but I always hate that way of thinking because it sure. deprives us of, of intriguing games. I am hoping that if you're looking at at large schools in the new playoff format, that your non-conference schedule does play in as a part of it. Sure. 
I, I like because then that will give us games, and that is a way where you're then just not making the whole season dependent on the playoff. Because with the twelve teams, there is a little bit of 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 the um, regular season importance is dwindled down. However, more teams are now involved, and if you played three cupcakes, you know, and let's say Florida State's one of those teams, they can be like, hey, we chose to play LSU. Like 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 that that should at least go you know towards their favor. So I hope that the marquee games don't necessarily end just because the playoff is expanded. I think there's reason why they can continue. Yeah, I agree. Um, I was gonna say too. By the way, next year LSU and USC open up in Vegas next year, so we'll get another good out of conference game for at least one more year. But no, I I agree, and I don't think they will. Now, I do think they'll probably expand the conference schedules eventually, more conference games. But hopefully, we get good games like this. He's Aaron Torres. I'm Dan Bayer. By the way, that highlight, a part of Oregon State's win over San Jose State earlier today, 42-17. to DJ Uyunglele, three touchdown passes and two touchdown runs in his debut as the Beavers' starting quarterback. So for Aaron Torres, I'm Dan Bayer. Aaron and I are back here on Fox at 3 Eastern time tomorrow. We'll talk to you then here on Fox Sports Radio. Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Live March 20th from the Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City. Featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Today's episode is brought to you by the American Society of Magical Negroes, a fresh satirical comedy about a secret society of magical black people starring Justice Smith, David Allen Greer, Ann Lee Bogan, and Nicole Byer. As an official selection of Sundance 2024, the American Society of Magical Negroes has been heralded by critics as an uproariously sharp-edged satire and a must-see. Only in theaters this Friday. Visit the American Society of Magical Negroesfilm.com to get tickets now. Smart journalism, fascinating topics, words that describe CNN's podcast, The Assignment with Audie Cornish. We are revisiting the public school culture wars. What have we learned from the kids who fought against book bans? We really started the club to get students reading these books. Students have an opinion in this fight, too. How has the war over books sparked a backlash to the so-called parents' rights movement? It's not okay what they're doing and they're being watched. Listen to The Assignment with Audie Cornish, streaming now on the iHeartRadio app.